Bro, part one of uh, of Westworld was, was pretty successful, man. That yeah, was pretty man. cool. It was Good interesting. Stuff. You know, finishing something up and getting something completed that was a little bit different than what we've been doing for the past seven months. So Love it. Good yeah, stuff. It, it really did come out well. And we were we were kind of, but correct me if I'm wrong, we were kind of concerned, like, how are we going to do this? Are we going to kind of do it the same way? Was this going to be a little bit different? And honestly, the way we kind of just came out with it was very smooth very authentic and very you know it worked it worked really well very unique i would say for this uh show it it challenges a lot of intellectual capacity for sure yeah that's for sure and uh i mean it's a it's its own it's really its own beast which you know no telling how this show i mean because think about it like right now we only have three seasons we're going to cover this year. Right. And then it's going to keep growing. So that's going to be really cool to see in What's the future. What's the plan for it? Does it have a similar kind of outline of doing 10 seasons, 10 episodes type of deal? Or what do we know yet? Or I guess everything's all up in the air because of this pandemic. And so that's kind of frustrated us a lot this year without knowing like what uh, um, what to prepare for or like how to do it. But yeah, it's all interesting. I know, uh, you know just to kind of give into a brief... Uh, recap of last week what we really tackled was season one episodes one two three and four like we talked about in the beginning of last week's episode we wanted to split it up into three parts to kind of give each you know section its deserved attention right yeah because like in the first beginning parts a lot of it is just moments that will come back around then we start kind of getting into the middle where it's like a bigger meatier section and then the very end where everything comes back around so we want to make sure that we do each part its own justice. And so that's what we're going to tackle today is, is part two, which will cover episodes five, six, and seven. Awesome. Yeah, yeah you ready to dive into it? Yeah, almost. One thing I did want to mention too as well, guys, is that uh, it's it, what's really amazing about you as an audience is that, you know, even we've, we're, we're switching into something that, you know, some people might not consider fantasy and sci-fi. It seems a lot of people have a vested interest in this series and, We've gotten some good feedback already, and uh, we're, we're hoping we're doing it justice so far. We're only one episode in, and we're really excited to kind of take it from there. And for those people who, again, are uh, just listening aud- auditorily through the podcast and not seeing us on visuals on YouTube, we decided to pull out our cowboy hats again. Oh, yeah. This might be what we do uh, throughout this Westworld arc is, is uh, start with the cowboy hats on, give you guys a little uh, a tip of the cap, and then put our headsets on and get to work. So... What do you think? We give him the old tipperoo? Yeah. The, uh, well, he's got Malice and Chalice. Malice in the Chalice, Cheers, man. man. Good stuff. Cheers, brother. It's good. good stuff. Here's the part two, my man. Season one, part Malice two. Malice in the Chalice. Yeah. five, six, and seven about to be underway, so I'm going to tip my cap to you in the audience. Put that over here to the sign. and uh, See, when I take my hat off, I look like the lead singer of Miss Murder. <laughs> like, AFI, what's wrong yeah, with your hair? AFI, though? Oh, yeah. Good stuff, bro. It all goes to one side and looks matted like uh, Tobey Maguire in Spider-Man 3 when he goes emo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's that's a good correlation there, man. Oh, good stuff. Dude, let's, uh, let's jump in a little bit to Season 1, Episode 5, man. Um, now, this is what I first wrote down. Tell me if you've got something even before it. But the first thing that I really notice here that I think is important to the storyline is Robert Ford talking to old Bill. Yeah, that's what I had. You know, he, yeah. he tells him the story about the greyhound and the cat. 
mm-hmm. and making basically to me I'm, I'm sure you have the full quote and the full analogy like of it like about how the greyhound like they had a really fast one and he they would f- like chase that felt when he raced and all that and they wanted to see mm-hmm. how fast a dog was so you know his brother let it off the leash and ended up chasing and killing the cat and then it kind of like looked confused like it didn't know what to do and to me what that story the moral of it was to me is that you know once you get what you want in life it loses its purpose in a way so that's what that's what i gained from that whole story that he told is you know once you you know you accomplish that big task that you've always wanted to you know you're never fully satisfied you always looking for the next thing you know you kind of you know, or your life loses a little bit of purpose like okay now what it's like i did this mm-hmm. now what is that kind of the way you felt that's too? what i had yeah cool. that, that's exactly what i had um yeah i, I mean you know the biggest thing is you know he spent his entire life trying to catch this thing so what i kind of put was it's kind of like it almost related to ford himself like he spent this entire life building this This west world world, um and now he's just caught up in it so for sure yeah good stuff and then we kind of bounce into your boy uh, william and logan over there yeah Uh, big dirty they were his biggest thing was they're going was to get slim to pariah and what they wanted to do there, because remember in the um, in the previous episode, they decided to double cross like the good guy because like Logan really wanted to jump onto this deeper adventure um, of you know you know getting to Pariah, getting a reward for bringing Slim back uh, to him alive. So that's what I really had. You want to yeah. go into that a little bit? I mean, that's pretty much what I had. I didn't have much about it. Uh, they run into, you know, those confrata- confederados, confederados, which are the uh, Army of New Virginia is what they were saying. And they are basically were like Confederate soldiers. Yeah, the ones that didn't want to let the let the Civil War die. They wanted yeah. to keep fighting even though it was over. Yeah. yeah. Um, one other thing, too, I didn't. I, I want to mention quote-wise that I thought was super, super important because it kind of gives you an idea and, and a little foreshadow into who Logan and, and William really are. Logan tells William, this place is hemorrhaging cash. We're considering buying them out. So, you know, like, obviously these guys have to have some sort of money. If they say, mm-hmm. like, remember Logan himself is one that said we spend $40,000 a day. Yeah. So imagine imagine the revenue that this place brings in. If everyone pays $40,000 a day and you're going to buy the whole fucking shit, like, yeah. or at least, like, the majority, like, of the shares, you've got to have a really you must a be in charge of, of a big company so yeah, no, uh, i thought that was super important yeah. there but that was badass yeah man uh then I, we kind of get over to our, our man in black right yeah man yeah, yeah. you know he kind of quotes dolores he even he even tells uh him that you know everyone has a path and your path leads you back to me <laughs> you know, he, <laughs> co- he right, quotes dolores yeah. like straight up so it's almost like he's starting to he pick up mannerisms of the host that he interacts with over the past 30 years that he's been mm-hmm. you know in the park and then remember he, he strings up lawrence up on a tree by his heels and pulls him up and just when you're kind of getting that moment of like these two are really connecting he cuts lawrence's throat because he realizes it wasn't lawrence that he needed he needed teddy yeah so you know then when i was talking about that he, like he was talking to teddy he cuts teddy down from that tree where he was all tied up beaten and bloody pretty much on death's doorstep to be honest mm-hmm. Then that, but the thing is, like the little boy Robert shows up. Yeah, that's the thing that we need to talk. I want to talk about there. And you know, basically, the man in black tells him, you know, fetch us some water. And then Lauren's like, dude, I just put a bunch of water in like the saddlebag, 
like already yeah, like, that's why right. do you want some water mm-hmm. then he empties out the saw bag and he realizes he's gonna fill it up with blood and try to transfuse it into teddy's body because he realizes teddy's the one that he needs not lawrence anymore mm-hmm. so it's like the man in black's just using these these hosts to get to accomplish his own tasks and give a fuck about him which it doesn't make it's not a bad thing because these hosts you know they they get patched up and go right back into the storyline and they don't remember anything remember so right mm-hmm. i thought that was pretty cool um and then Maeve, right? Uh, the second thing I actually have is that Felix, you know, like well, Felix and Maeve in that in that room there. Mm-hmm. But the one thing you notice there is kind of at the end of that whole situation, he opens up that door thing because he has an argument with that Sylvester guy. And right. Yeah. He has something. He has something there that like is important to him, which will come up in a little bit. Um, he started like that that surgeon i call him a surgeon i don't know what he really is but he's starting to get a vested interest in this world himself and it's starting to mess with him because he took something from there and Mm -hmm. i'm not gonna mention what it is yet because it hasn't come up yet but you can see you know he's almost got an ulterior motive himself like he wants to be important in a way right but go, go ahead uh no that's that's pretty much what i said i was just saying you know mave um you know she's on the table and the i think it was was it sylvester it was either sylvester or felix felix i think is the one that said it and he said it's like they were looking for something and he was like looking at the bullet holes that she had um yeah yeah and but then at this point you know you have teddy back with the man in black he's like he looks like he's been in the sun for days. He's like malnourished. Dude, he, he's he, like beaten to hell. Does like his face looks disfigured and shit. Mm-hmm. And this is you know, the man in black says to Teddy, "It's not my fault you're suffering. You used to be beautiful. When this place started, I opened one of you up once, a million little perfect pieces, and then they changed you, made you the sad, real mess, flesh and bone, just like us." They said it would improve the park experience. So this is why I was telling you, remember? Because I told remember when Logan, like, later on, not to get too far ahead, but he ends up cutting Dolores open, and you see she's full of mechanical pieces. Right, yeah. So that's how you know mm-hmm. their timeline's different. Right. Um, you know, Logan yeah, and Williams is. So like, now you realize that these are not robots in a way. They are made in terms of flesh and blood. But the biggest thing, what's really crazy to me is, it's because it was quote unquote cheaper. Like it was cost effective to make flesh and bone over than over just mechanical pieces. Yeah, that doesn't make sense, sense to me. But that doesn't make any sense. Apparently, that was the rationale that he came up with, and I'm not sure if that's the truth or that's what people are trying. Like the you know the writers are trying to sell us on, but you know I just found that interesting that that was supposed to be the cost effective way it was making. I thought figured you know trying to Im- imitate human bodies like to the to the t would be more expensive than just robot pieces yeah uh, you know what yeah, i mean no so, that's what i was thinking too yeah I, th- I just think that's really important but uh to me it really seems to like dolores is teddy's trigger right like because remember like, I was thinking he, too. he was all like you know down and then all of a sudden that he mentions that why it has dolores which number one isn't true mm-hmm. you guys remember but the fact is, like, all of a sudden, Teddy's, like, ready to go. Right. Like, he's like, yeah. all right, like, let's yeah. get up and go. He's got Dolores. Like, dude, like, <laughs> so Dolores is Teddy's trigger. Like, and I wonder how this is going to play into the future. Like, you know, when slash if they escape Westworld, whether on a storyline or through, like, mm-hmm. pre-programming. Right. How that's going to come to play. Because it just seems that anytime she gets brought up, he goes here at full hero mode. Mm-hmm. So. He does, yeah. Um, and then you have Dolores that winds up um, 
she's with William and she's starting to see visions of people in that town again. Are you at that part yet? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Starts to think, you know, William starts to think she's special because she notices his real world comment. Like, he's right. like, like back in the real world, and she's like, what do you mean by that? And he's like, I thought you weren't supposed to notice things like that. So now this place is playing tricks with William's head. This is what I'm really starting to get out of this. Because remember, before Logan said, this place seduces everybody. Right. Right? So now William thinks he's in almost to Robert Ford's quote before, like, everyone comes back because they think they found something that others missed. Mm-hmm. And That's so right. now he's yeah. like, now William's in this weird spot where he thinks he's found something, like a mistake that, you know, like he's like, oh, I'm going to like, mm-hmm. like, oh my gosh, like she's different. She's special. Like she's not like everyone else. And that's why, you know, Logan tries to snap him out this entire time because he's like, dude, like it's the place getting to you, which is pretty crazy for like, yeah. who he ends up becoming. And when they're like talking, so they kind of have this moment where like Dolores is starting to pick up on more and more and it's all coming to her. She says, when I ran from home, I told myself it was the only way. Lately, I wondered if every moment there aren't many paths, choices hanging in the air like ghosts. And if you could just see them, you could change your whole life. William says, is that what you want? You want to change your life. Doesn't every, uh, Dolores, doesn't everyone want that? William, I guess they do. Maybe that's why they come here. Whoever you were before doesn't matter here. There's no rules or restrictions. You can change the story of your life. You can become someone else. No one will judge you. No one in the real world will even know. The only thing holding you back is yourself. And Dolores says, what do you mean by that? Yeah, that's what we kind of went into a little bit. No one in the real world will know. So so she's starting to see, like, when, you know, when he mentions the real world, they're supposed to, quote, unquote, like, not pay attention. Remember before when when that little boy told Dolores, you're not real. And she's Mm -hmm. like, I got to go now. Like, pretend like she never heard of it. Now, like... You know, she's noticing that. But again, this is a different timeline than the present. But as a as a viewer, at this point in time, you might not be aware. You might not have picked up on the clues that this is a different timeline. Right. You might still think this is the present. Yeah. So, and then the next thing I have, too, is, like, Dolores trying to find herself in the crowd. Remember, like, the, the stampede mm-hmm. of, like, the parade comes yeah. through and she sees glimpses of herself and she tries to follow herself a little bit in there and for me that's a huge foreshadow it was like this day of the dead parade thing right and and like for me what that meant to me is she was trying to find herself which is kind of like the full circle of what this whole season meant so when she was looking for herself in the crowd like like in my mind was like she's trying to find herself so i kind of like stumbled upon like the was like what i thought was the moral of this whole thing is she's trying to find herself right then and there because why else would we, we be chasing an image of you other than you know that especially right after she noticed the real world comment that's that's when i started to right. really kind of pick up on okay <clears throat> she's trying to find herself so uh from there that kind of brings what ford we're going we're back to ford in the research mm-hmm. lab pulling dolores right. into the yeah into the um the quote-unquote actual real world you know and she asked dolores if she's been dreaming of breaking out of her loop right right and so you know i'll, I'll let you kind of take it from there well, I mean, you know, she's sitting there naked, <laughs> like she always does, no clothes, you know. Ford says, take that cover off. I'm just kidding, I didn't <laughs> say that. But uh, Ford, um, uh, so, you know, she hears that woman's voice, of course, that said, uh, our dead are never dead to us until we have forgotten them. And then Ford comes in and says, may you rest in a deep, dreamless slumber. And then Dolores falls asleep in the middle of the parade and collapses like you were saying yeah um so when she's looking at ford ford asks her if she remembers arnold 
And Dolores said she doesn't remember who that is. Dolores said, I'm sorry, I don't think I can recall anyone by that name. Ford, and you can. Somewhere under all these updates, he is still there, perfectly preserved. And what's crazy, too, is that we find out, he actually tells her, uh, Ford tells Dolores that Arnold's the one that created her. Mm-hmm. And he even asks her, he said, you know, analysis in analysis mode, when was the last time you had contact with Arnold? And she says, 34 years, 42 days, 7 hours ago. Yeah. The day that Arnold died. Mm-hmm. which should be a trigger like how did she have contact with him on the day that he died mm-hmm. which you know we'll we'll talk about probably in part three yeah but you know it, that's a big foreshadow moment big right foreshadow so. moment and Dolores you know she's even questioning Ford and is like are we old friends and Ford says no <laughs> I that was a weird friends. thing there, that was right? weird yeah, right? that was yeah. a little weird yeah yeah, uh, he says, I wouldn't say that at all, Dolores. So, like, what does he have against Dolores? And, like, you know what? Like, this whole Arnold character is really interesting because even, like, I won't I won't give my theory yet. I'll probably wait until uh, we do our part three. Um, but I just, I want to know, like, did Arnold ever really exist? You know, I know we, we find out who he's supposed to be in season one, like, you know, and who the image of him is now. But, like, my question is, like, is that even another thing that Ford came that up with in his head? That could have just been like, like you know, part another storyline. Exactly. Yeah, that's wild. You know, so or maybe think, it was just in Dolores's head the whole time. But it's not even just her head because remember of who who is supposed to be the the host image of Arnold. So he couldn't even name him the same name. He had to name him what he ended up naming him. So it's like and that's not necessarily Dolores' head, because at least that's in the real world, and we see that happening. And you know, Ford, like, we get that flashback moment when that person is created. Yeah. Like that you know, so it's a really interesting theory and question. So I don't know if, if Arnold ever really existed. I mean, that's my I don't know. Here's a big or, or or is like is Arnold just like another version, maybe the darkest, deepest, or better part of Ford himself. Well, here's a mind screw. The whole <laughs> is, thing is a mind screw. <laughs> think of this, though. So the only people that really followed Arnold's story that were looking for Arnold, besides Elise and... Elsie. 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 Whatever the fuck her name is. Elsie. <laughs> um, were, which we'll find out what happens to her in the long run. Um, but were bernard and dolores who we find well, out not not necessarily true because remember walter was saying arnold in his head too the guy that the bandit who killed all those six hosts and right he right said, he but heard, i'm he heard arnold too yeah but i'm talking about as far as people that notice them in the real world and take a big significant notice to them like bernard he's in the real world right mm. so as far as the real world the only two people really in the real world that notice this whole thing is Bernard and Ford, except for when they're bringing Teresa into it and discussing things. Now, Bernard keeps examining Dolores, asking her about it, because it's a whole mind screw for him. So the whole time, this could just be part of Ford's narrative for the two of them. Yeah, and, but I, I, I even think because, but, but remember, the man in black knows about Arnold too, and he's trying to remember, said he, like, if I'm going to dig up any, like, if I got to ask the man, I mean, this is episodes from now when uh he taught i mean actually it might be i think it's episode seven yeah when um teddy and ford and the man in black are all sitting down at that table 
And he says, if you want the moral of the story, just ask. He says, if the man I'm gonna, I got, you got better give me a shovel because the man I'm gonna ask died 35 years ago. Yeah. So the man in black has something with Arnold too. Like his like whole thing is to figure out Arnold's, you know, main, you know, he, he thinks that the story died with him, and but there was a deeper level from Arnold. So mm-hmm. that's another thing. He's he's in the real world, really. I mean, he's in the real world, but he's always in Westworld. The man in black, right? Is. Yeah. So it's like, I don't know. Like I said, there's to me, part of me thinks that. Arnold never existed, or it's just you know the the other part of Ford's consciousness, like you know almost like you have like the devil on one shoulder, the angel on the other shoulder. Maybe like Arnold's a good side of Ford. I don't know, man. Yeah. Like it's just it, this whole thing is super confusing. You know, I know what they want us to think by the end of season one because we see it, but I don't want to give it away yet. But we'll we'll get there yeah. at the end of this episode because that's why we end up on season seven right. episode. I'm sorry, season one episode. Yeah, season one episode seven, but. Let's, uh, let's jump back into it, man. <laughs> I think um, that was Lil Wayne that said, The devil on my shoulder, Lord is my witness. I'm praying <laughs> Libra sands and forgiveness. <laughs> yeah. That was the She Will song. I probably messed up all the lyrics, but oh well. <laughs> yeah. You know, and we actually learn at this point that Arnold wanted to destroy Westworld with Dolores' help. This is what you know, Ford is telling Dolores. Yeah. You know, he, like, you know, that's why when Dolores like says, are we old friends? And he's like, I no, wouldn't say I friends. I wouldn't say that. Right? <laughs> so to me, like, it, that, that was the whole plan is that in, the only reason they didn't destroy Westworld, because, it was because of the man in black, and we'll figure out that why right, later. Yeah. So something's going on. You know, with this Arnold guy, he's important in some way. We don't—I don't know if he's actually a physical, real person or not. Or if he's still alive, if he's actually dead, if he is dead, if he's the voice in just in all these heads, so his programming still lives on, or if he's just another version of Ford. This whole thing is very, very confusing. Yeah. But that's exactly why we want to tackle this and give our own opinions on it. Because keep in mind, guys, I haven't seen anything past season one as of right now. Mm-hmm. So this. All the shit I'm talking right now could be answered in season two, season three. I wouldn't know. I haven't seen it. So this is just me giving my perspective yeah. of where yeah. I stand today, not knowing mm-hmm. what happens in, in the further season. That'll be interesting, too, when we wind up, you know, talking about those things, seeing, like, what's full circle where. Yeah, yeah. for sure, man. So um, now one, Dolores, once Ford leaves, she, like, says something to herself. No one's there. And so in my mind, she's talking to Arnold in her head. This is cool. And she says, he doesn't know. I didn't tell him anything. Yeah. So, like, there's something going on, man. There's <clears> some <throat> good stuff yeah. going on. And now now we get back to Felix, and this is the part where I was saying I'm not going to tell you what he stole. Felix actually stole a bird. Mm-hmm. And he's actually trying to get it to operate under his control with a behavior tablet. Now, why this is important is because Felix is just like a cutter or a surgeon, you know, what they call butchers or whatever, getting back, you know, take all the uh, broken down stuff out, stitch them back up, get them back into working order and, and you know, you know, move it along the line, right? So the fact that he he's showing that he wants to be someone more important than he currently is because now he's trying to figure out how these things work and at first just like anything you know when you first time you throw a football the first time you try to do anything you're not very good at it and you fail but you keep failing over and over again and get better and better and that and sooner or later you become good and mm-hmm. proficient that's and that's right. kind of exactly what yeah. felix kind of did with this whole bird thing but as of right now i just saw it was interesting that he's trying to get this bird to operate under a behavior tablet so he's he's basically you know un- undermining his bosses like you know i'm gonna do this on the slide like yeah i don't want to get caught doing this but mm-hmm. he's doing yeah. it on the low and um so then we kind of jump back over to we got 
Logan and mm-hmm. <laughs> oh my boy, and he meets someone very familiar. Elazo, yes, ends up being Lawrence. If you guys remember who Lawrence is, we actually met him last episode. Who was accompanying the Man in Black? Not willingly, he was basically a Man in Black pl- yeah. prisoner. But we start to see like he comes back around to play again, and now you start to see the timelines and how they interact and like who can possibly be who. So, mm-hmm. and what he does is, uh, Lazo asks for. He says, "A Union convoy is transporting a shipment of nitroglycerin uh, from the front today. The Confederados, you know, we met them earlier, would like to divest them of that said shipment, but we are not welcome on that side of the border. A trio of travelers, such as yourself, however, so he wants them to go on this train." And basically steal all the nitroglycerin on this train and get it back. But they'll be recognized if they go over there to that side of the border. Themselves, right. And even just in that same interaction, I think it's important to realize that, like, Logan tried to jump the gun and basically demand a meeting with the Confederados first. And then it was actually Dolores that basically talked Lazo into He's like, why is it always the fucked up ones that get to me? Or something, <laughs> yeah. something, something like that, right? You know, so... The fact is, is like these storylines are so in depth, and you know, if they don't, if the guests don't follow them, it's like the hosts pick up the slack. I don't know if you guys noticed that or not, but I just wanted to slide that in mm-hmm. there. So I thought that was pretty cool. But um, so yeah. they ambush the wagon, and you kind of have this moment where this is when William kind of breaks out of his shell, I guess I would say, um, because you have. Logan yeah. is going off the rocker I here. would say, because keep in mind that William already popped his cherry by killing the bad guy. Yeah. But keep in mind, this is the first time he has to do something he doesn't really want to do. Mm-hmm. It's something he feels he's forced to do because of the situation. Yeah. Because keep in mind, he promised Dolores, you know, because she tells him, you know, my father fought for the union, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. So, you know, don't worry, we'll make sure no one gets hurt. Right. But then, you know, like you said, Logan does his Logan bullshit, and then, like... He's getting choked out by this yeah, union so, soldier. So, to kind of get into the actual scene here, they approach the, the wagon, there's two soldiers in the front, and basically they're like, hey, listen, we're going to blow this place to smithereens. We're going to shoot the whole shit in the back if you don't give us your shipment. He's like, well, then you probably understand why we can't give it to you. And so they basically disarm the Union soldiers. They go around the back, get the people out of the back, get the guns and stuff. And then Logan starts hitting the guy for basically, like, insulting him by, you know, calling him some sort of name. I don't remember. I didn't have it written down. And then as he's overdoing the like you know pummeling the the host the host actually picks him up tackles him to the ground and everything kind of resorts into chaos right and that's when you get that point where you were talking about you know one of the union soldiers actually kills slim which was their guide uh to the to the thing which he actually comes to play it really importantly later on dead mm-hmm. slim does but uh they kill slim and they you know they're about to get to dolores william makes a choice fucking kills the union shoulder that's about to get to dolores kills the other two then also kills the one that's about to choke out logan and so this is the first time because he promised dolores that they weren't going to harm the union soldiers yeah. and then he had to make the choice like well listen i, I pretty much fucking have to <laughs> like, yeah and this know, is so. like a moment where he you know logan latches onto this like he's like later on mm-hmm. you killed an unarmed man like so when this happens too logan's almost feeling like william's breaking out of his shell and he's like all right yeah yeah let's get it going 100 <laughs> game time so they return to pariah with the nitroglycerin and dead slim you know yeah and so 
what's really important like important here and it's actually kind of like a sleazy little little back you know back alley kind of mentality is El Lazo actually convinces the Federados to stay an extra night mm-hmm. which gives El Lazo the time to screw over everybody like yeah. that wasn't done like out of the kindness of his heart like he did it for a reason and so they go to that party and remember they were rewarded with the golden women yeah <laughs> yeah now it kind of bumps us over to the actual research lab again and they're taking the woodcutter to livestock and then the incinerator and this is important because Elsie doesn't want that to happen because like I said there's been this big battle going on between inner departments and so she wants to examine the woodcutter before he's destroyed and so what she does is she blackmails Destin <laughs> with a sex tape, which is ridiculous because you could see that he was basically fucking an unconscious, unresponsive host. Destin was. And basically she's like, well, you know, this conversation could go one of two ways. Either you were helping out somebody in, in the behavior department or you're a, you're a nasty pervert who <laughs> likes necrophilia. Or you know what I mean? Like, I'm sure you oh, have yeah. the actual quote, but, like, that, that's pretty much the long and short of it, you know? And so she decides that uh, he she's going to reprocess the host to see Woodcutter from Sector 14. To a- absolutely get blackmails him. And he basically tells her, well, I, you got five minutes. She's like, well, you took longer than that. <laughs> then, yeah, that was great. Anyway, yeah. so she gets, she gets the opportunity that she needs to examine this Woodcutter that, remember, it looked like that he was about to kill her, had the boulder over his head, and he smashed his own head in and killed himself. Remember, like I said, I made the analogy last week about how almost like a spy instead of giving up the secrets having them torture you and giving the secrets you take the poison and kill yourself so like it's like what secrets were you holding mr woodcutter Mm -hmm. and that's exactly what she ends up finding out and she finds a satellite uplink in the woodcutter's arm and she tells bernard that someone has been using their data to smuggle yeah using their data to smuggle data out of the park so really important shit i love what she says though she says in a second i'm going to walk out of here and your friends are going to wander wonder what this was all about and you can answer you can either be helping a behavior track a a problem or i'm a creepy necroperf yeah it's great Mm -hmm. for sure and so yeah she tells him she tells bernard about you know the, the satellite uplink that someone's using the data to smuggle their data out of their park and then we kind of jump back to your boy logan and william and the long and short of the no, I go, just go wrote about the women everywhere and all the noise, the <laughs> nastiness. <laughs> of, course, of course you did. But like the long and short and like the really, really big part here is the decision that they have to make. Logan wants to join the Confederados. Yeah. William doesn't. And it's basically like this is the first time that like their button heads like, listen, like it's this way or it's this way. Like I'm, We're going to do this and we're not going to do this. Because like even, even Logan said, listen, if you want to do this, we can fucking screw them over and join the revolutionaries later on. Like, you know, like this is the, this is what we came here for. This is like the intense experience. But the intense experience that Logan's looking for is different than what William is feeling because he's feeling this sort of weird. I'm not sure if it's attraction yet, but weird drawing to Dolores, and he wants to like protect her and make sure she's safe. And like it's just a very very weird. I love what Logan says here because yeah, he's go, keeping do, his do ass in reality. Go ahead, like I love this quote. So this is when they're arguing back and forth because just like you were saying, like Logan. Uh, William, like, wants to be the hero. Um, and just like you said, he says, if you don't like them, once we get uh, to the fun, you can just kill them and join the revolutionaries. And William says, no, Logan, enough's enough. I'm not doing this, just like you're saying. He says, you actually let loose for once. 
You shoot an unarmed man and now you feel bad because you can't call yourself the hero. Don't you get it? There's no such thing as heroes and villains. It's just a giant circle jerk. Like, I mean, he's snapping him into reality because Logan realizes this is just a video game. And then, I mean, not necessarily a video game, but kind of similar. Honestly, the, what I, from what I've seen in Westworld so far, to me, it's kind of a mixture between Avatar, like the Blue People Avatar, mm-hmm. iRobot, and like... It's different, yeah. yeah like, it's... Like, more in depth and like than a John Wayne movie. Yeah, <laughs> like it's a John Wayne movie. Oh, Avatar yeah. and iRobot all pulled into one sort yeah. of deal. So I do want to say this though, because this is when you really have them break apart. Right. I, I think you have the same quote that I might. Write yeah, down. you can read it. So yeah. basically, this is when Logan kind of gets real nasty and really kind of like uh, hits below the belt here and tells William, like, "I picked you precisely because you will never be a threat to anyone. My sister probably picked you for the same reason." Is that the one that you had there? Yeah, yeah, it's there's a little bit more to it, but that was that was the one that it. that's the that's the thing though that was the stinger. That was the lowest that you could go to talking to somebody, like you know, like you you bring him on there, and you guys are supposed to be like you know semblance of friends or like kind of like a brotherly trip because you're about to enter the family, and this guy basically tells you like you're nothing. I mean, even this part though, like he challenges him and he says, "And you, you see the world so clearly." You probably think you're on this trip because you're some kind of contender, some threat to me. And that's where you said, I picked you precisely because you will never be a threat to anyone. And it, it just goes to show, like, then you know. Add, he added the part where it's like, my sister probably picked you for the same reason. Yeah, that's like, super, that's like, you're, like you're, yeah, that's damn. so dirty. So yeah. real scumbaggy move there. But then, you know, then we get back to Dolores and she's kind of making her way through the place and she ends up realizing that, uh, well, she first she, she runs into the, I, I, don't, I wouldn't call her a sorcerer, but the tarot card psychic reader, you know, and she kind of sits down in that room and she starts like flipping cards over and what's the card that flipped over? What is it? It's a picture of the maze. Mm-hmm. So that was super important. And, but then when she looks back up after she sees a picture of the maze, it's not that woman that she first saw when she entered the room. It's herself sitting across from her. Yeah. So again, this whole like, you know, Think of this, though, real quick, what Logan said, because he even, like, always tries to have the last word, and he, just what a, kind of a, an ass he is. He says, write a lifetime of working hard, following the rules, and you finally reach the pinnacle of your career trajectory, executive, vice president, upper middle management. Do you remember the day you finally got through that fancy little little letters evp you walked into my office in that cheap block suit of yours you shook my hand and you thanked me for the opportunity that was the best day of your life logan uh william doesn't say anything he says right buddy that's what i thought and it was just like another challenge to him Uh, this is when you really have those two break apart at that point so the sorcerer pulls your maze card, right? Yeah, and like, well, we got to part, but she sees herself. Like, you know, so after that, she pulls a maze card. She looks back up and she takes a look at herself, and she kind of freaks out a little bit. And she starts, she runs out, and then she, like, once she runs out, she kind of stumbles into something that she wasn't really supposed to see. She like looks around the corner and she sees El Lazo filling the dead guy Slim with nitro and he tells them he tells his like scrooges to put tequila in the bottles and he looks at dead slim pats him on the fucking chest and says 
your work for the revolutionaries is not quite done yet my friend <laughs> like so there they he already had planned to screw them over and we're starting to see exactly how he did it so in that little like whole bullet hole wound there where he died they actually put a like um, a hose in there almost like a like a hose that you'd see in your vehicle right put it in there and pumped the nitroglycerin from the glass bottles into Slim's body, so that way El Lazo now has the nitro, and the Confederados are going to be fucked over because their bottles are actually going to be filled with tequila, which is crazy because then William kind of understands what starts to go on a little bit. He's like, "Look, there's going to be some sort of urgency, you know, like something's going to happen, and we're going to need to act on it or whatever." And so they actually end up grabbing one of the bottles of the nitro and start tossing it back and forth between each other and yeah, it's like that would great. never really happen like why would you exactly. ever do that exactly. like <laughs> and, that's, and that's the thing like that, that's why he said they, they, this place would it was going to create an urgency so it's almost like william started to understand a little bit about westworld and what was going like on like it's more fake like this right is like he's starting thing, he's yeah. starting to see it almost through logan's eyes like okay i get it now this is what's going to happen like some crazy urgency is going to thing we're going to have to you make a choice like blah blah, blah. So, like he's starting to kind of be cynical towards it instead of kind of really being into it as he was and then that's almost exactly what happens is they grab the nitro and they're tossing it back and forth between each other and then someone drops it and then the glass shatters and it's just tequila yeah right and then the confederates realize that oh you guys fucked this over thinking william and logan fucked them over and they attack logan <laughs> and yeah. uh, that's when william makes the big decision to abandon logan yep also i think this is really big too is uh william kisses dolores at this point in time in oh that yeah for, that cheating bastard exactly that's a big point <laughs> like this whole time remember he declined clementine because he had a woman back home he's kind of kept his, like he's had an attraction but kind of kept his physical distance towards dolores because he had his wife back home and now like with all this is that's happened the place has finally gotten to him and he thinks there's something special and the big connection between him and dolores and I think this is exactly what leads him to become who he ends up becoming because yeah. of, of this. So, yeah, he kisses him. Logan asks for help. William ditches him. Says, fuck you, buddy, pretty much. And then That but, was such but, but, an emotional moment. But, you know, <laughs> the, the funny part was is you saw Logan's face. It was like he was happy that william he's abandoned psycho. because it's like he's like he's like he's like you know he's getting it like this is like Good. you know like yeah exactly this is great mm -hmm. <laughs> so then william gets like you know william gets seized he actually kills some of like the the big confederado guys guards and stuff but there's too many of them he ends up getting seized but then dolores ends up putting bullets in all of them and mm -hmm. saves him you know and and basically remember dolores isn't supposed to be programmed to be able to pull a trigger and so you know she said something along the lines I just, just cliche as fuck i wrote it down but i thought I, it was cliche i only wrote down the last part of it because i thought that part was important like i imagined a story where i didn't have to be the damsel yeah so i'm, I'm sure she said other words in front of that she but only I said think, one sentence otherwise she said you said people come here to change the story of their lives yeah i mean i thought it was the damsel thing I, some of the dialogue is amazing and then some of it i'm like okay yeah kind of predictable type of deal yeah you see what i mean for sure but then William and Dolores get on that train and they find El Lazo and he's like, oh, fuck. <laughs> like, he was pissed <laughs> off because they, he, like, he got, he, like, found it out by the people he screwed over, you know. And this, and this is kind of, you know, the whole old friend thing. I'm not going to get into it too much. But basically, Dolores uh, threatens to shoot the Nitro uh, and blow them all up. And so William asks for Lawrence's gun and Lawrence gives it to him. And basically, it's like 
Lauren's just like, all right, cool, we're friends now. Like, oh, no, f- <laughs> yeah. no f- let's forget the part where I screwed you over. Like, it's all good, man. Water under the bridge. We're going to be getting along just fine for the rest <laughs> of this thing. Like, bro, you just try to kill us. Fuck you. <laughs> like, but uh, I thought that was it was really funny. Then this is where we hear him call himself Lawrence for the first time. This is where mm-hmm. El Lazo, he actually refers to himself. You, can, you know, my friends call me Lawrence. Like, yeah. You know, so... He said, uh, now that we're all friends, you can call me Lawrence. You can all settle in. It's a long ride to the front. Right. <laughs> yeah. Then we get over to, uh, this is the part we were talking about earlier with the man mm-hmm. in black, Teddy and, and Robert Ford. Yeah, that's right. They're sitting at the table. And this is the exact quote that I, I tried to do my best with out of memory earlier. But um, when Ford's like, well, you know, if you want the moral of the story, you just all you need to do is ask. And that's when the man in black says, I need a shovel. The man I'd be asking died 35 years ago and almost <laughs> took this place with him. Almost, but not quite, thanks to me. And then, so that's a point, too, because keep in mind, like, you know, he threatened, like, like, why is it thanks to the man in black that the place didn't didn't get destroyed, you know? And you start, you know, if you really start thinking about it critically, you know why. And then he threatens Ford with his big-ass, like, combat knife, and then Teddy, <laughs> who was like, like I said, on death's doorstep, all of a sudden gets invigorated energy, grabs this guy's hand, takes the knife down, and slams it into the table, and it just sticks there. And you know, basically, like what that means is, is that these hosts will protect Ford uh, and all under all costs. Like, like that, mm-hmm. no one can touch Ford. Period. You know, yeah. that's that's basically what I got out of that interaction. Yeah, and that's funny you said that too, because later on, we're not there yet. We're not even going to get to it this episode, but later on. Ford made a makes an amazing quote, and it was basically something like, "The piano would never harm the pianist." Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's it goes to show like, like Ford is basically like, "Welcome to my world." Like, you're not gonna try to fuck me over. Like, this isn't happening here. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And then also, and then 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 why it was a slick quote, and you probably wouldn't even think about it, other than the fact that Ford said it, and this is why I wrote it down. He stood up from the table. He patted Teddy on his back shoulder as he was walking away and said, look back and smile at perils past. Mm-hmm. So, like, and all of a sudden, Teddy gets this reinvigorated energy, like, almost like he was brand new. And like, well, you know, we got to get going and find Dolores, basically. But the thing was, it said, look back and smile at perils past. To me, that quote means, like, no matter what's happened to you, like it brought you to where you are today you can look back and smile at those moments then even though they were terrible at the time because they brought you to where you are and who you are today and i think that was almost a shot at the man in black because of who he was when he first entered westworld and who he is today yeah so that's what i got out of it myself that's good no i think that's perfect that was great yeah then do you have felix next that's the next thing i've got yeah with felix uh and you know Maeve wakes up on the table. Well, before that, Felix actually gets the bird to operate under his control with the behavior tablet. So mm-hmm. Felix yeah. trying and trying and trying is actually successful in getting this behavior tablet to work and the bird to fly underneath his control. And that bird ends up landing on, you know, he thought Maeve again was asleep on sleep, on, like in the sleep control department or whatever. And she all of a sudden, like, you know, the bird lands and you get the camera screen and it's like the bird landing on Maeve's. Uh, uh, finger. Yeah, and she looks which up is at Felix. Really cool. Yeah, and you know, he's like, she tells me, I think it's time we had a chat. <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. And that leads us right into episode, episode six. six. Yeah, Dilly Dilly, Dilly Dilly. 
One thing I do want to say, though, remember when Ford and uh, the Man in Black were having that badass conversation? Mm -hmm. There was a moment where he was, like, telling him, he was like, oh, no, I mean, there's no way I can make a villain as bad as you. (laughs) I couldn't conjure up the thought of someone like you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. That was pretty cool. So it's basically, like, this guy's a piece of shit. Yeah, yeah. He's just a fucking terrible person. It was great. Which is Mm -hmm. crazy. Um, Cool. Yeah, Yeah, and then we, we, we fly right in into episode six, and the piano uh, plays by itself again. Yeah, dude. It's funny because it, we always talk about this. We don't, when we when we do these uh, researches, we take our own notes. We don't talk to each other really before we get to here and when we do the episodes. And some things that are like super, like, that, that stick out to me don't necessarily stick out to Chase. And stuff that sticks out to Chase doesn't necessarily stick out to me. So, you know. The, the piano always is important to me, but I did like, like you wrote it down almost every single episode, every time the piano played by itself. For here, that didn't really stick out to me, but it is important because of what ends up coming later. Yeah. Now, mm-hmm. the first thing I have for season one, episode six, is when Maeve, you know, basically Clementine was like, "Ooh, look at this new guy. I want, I want this." And Maeve's like, "Nah, go get your face done. Like, get your <laughs> makeup on. I'll take this one." But it's not because she wanted any part of this guy. It's because she basically wanted to kill herself so she could wake up back into what we call the real world, right? Mm-hmm. So basically, Maeve bring this man into a room, and she taunts him like crazy. She's like, oh, such a big man. Big everywhere except where it counts. Basically making fun <laughs> of him having a small dick and like yeah. not being able to please her. And, and even another thing that she said, she's like, I thought if I gave you a turn on the house, I'd at least get something in return. Like, yeah, just talking right. shit. And then she finally grabs his, like, she has to grab his hands and, like, put it on her own throat. And then he ends up choking her to death And when she dies. And then she wakes up again in the real world. So mm-hmm. that's exactly why, like, she's starting to have these cognizant thoughts of, like, okay, if I do this, I'll, I'll get to where I want to be. But again, we're all under, like, this impression that she's doing this under her own free will and she's starting to become more human. But, like, is that really the case? Yeah. You know? No, that's great. Then you have our maniacal genius again. Did you have that part where he's looking over his construction in the canyon? Which you? part? Did you get that? So, after, like, uh, Maeve dies, right? Um, and she's choked out. So, Ford walks out to, like, with his construction team and is talking about the expansion of his narrative. Um, the town freezes for a minute, and um, then he's exca- he's examining a sculpture of this church, and he opens a book where then he sees the maze symbol. Did you have that? Yeah, which is weird because it's like it almost seemed like he didn't know the maze symbol because mm-hmm. in a couple scenes from here too, he ends like the people are playing some sort of game on a table, and then he sees the maze symbol yeah, on the table. Yeah. So it's like. It's almost like it, the way his reactions looked, it looked like he was confused or surprised by the maze symbol where it's like, isn't this your creation? Yeah. Like, you know, so, or was the maze really created by this Arnold guy? And like, you know, see, that's what I Arnold think. Thing. I think it was never Ford's. Right. I think Arnold did the maze. And, and that's what mm-hmm. we're supposed to think. I think that's what it goes into. It's just, you know, this whole mysterious Arnold guy. It's just, uh, it's very interesting, but um, other things I have before we get to where um, Ford looks at the maze on the table. Yes, you're right about the journal. Mm-hmm. He opens it up and he yeah. finds a thing. Then I get over to, you know, Elsie and Bernard again. You know, mm-hmm. she calls Bernard and says, instead of the host going insane, they're being used for industrial espionage. 
Mm-hmm. So basically, what that means is, you know, remember when she found out previous episodes ago that there was the satellite uplink in the woodcutter's arm. They were using that information like to get data from the park, and so you know, again, industrial espionage. Like we were, you're stealing our data. Yeah. And so as of this point right now, they don't know who it is, but they know it's actually going on. And so Bernard actually goes downstairs to access the information to discover who's responsible because it, it, of all – and it was funny because when he went down there and he had the access to it, he was looking at all of these areas and he found out where the woodcutter was at the time and place and all that. Then he realizes there's five other hosts that are not accounted for. Right. And he, he like even like he asks like the computer questions and the, almost kind of like Jarvis with uh, Ted or Jarvis no, with uh, Tony Stark. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, he was like you know the, the, the computers kind of give him answers like to his verbal mm-hmm. questions. It was very interesting, and you know they were like basically mis like they, they weren't accounted for hosts, and so he decides he's going to go take like a look and to see what mm-hmm. the heck that is because it's not only just this one woodcutter that had this like this issue like it was like that the it kind of malfunctioned now all of a sudden there's five additional hosts that are of the old build that were not put underneath like the surveillance of the new the new mm-hmm. build so they couldn't really account for them as as right. know, basically they're running around with no sort of um tag or idea that they were actually there so i thought that was pretty important um I actually wrote down where this woodcutter reached the peak. Reached the peak at 23.07. Military time, that's 11.07 p.m. There's five additional anomalies detected and hosts that aren't registered with the new system. That's exactly what I said. These hosts aren't registered with the new system. And then the computer answered yes in text form. So, um, And then that's why I said, you know, we see... Uh, you know, Ford sees a maze symbol in the lab. He pulls out the journal of Pfizer maids. But then we get back to Teddy riding with the man in black. This is the next thing I have. And this is actually a, a longer quote, one that I usually don't write down. But I thought it's super important because trying to figure out about this maze seems to be the man in black's main mission and goal. And so if it's his main mission and goal, it's probably important that us as viewers know as much about it as we can. Mm-hmm. So this is what Teddy says. Teddy Flood says, The maze itself is the sum of a man's life. Choices he makes. Dreams he hangs on to. And then, there at the center, there's a legendary man who had been killed over and over, countless times, but always clawed his way back to life. The man returned for the last time and vanquished his oppressors in a tireless fury. He built a house. Around that house, he built a maze so complicated, only he could navigate through it. So is this this legendary man, is this this Arnold guy? Is he still alive, living in Westworld? That would be my guess. That would be probably my guess, but then it also makes you wonder. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm thinking, mm-hmm. right? So. Yes, I do. Which we're not giving away any spoilers. It's just like it's... I don't know. Like I, I feel like we figure out the maze, but we don't really understand who this person was. So, yeah, the, the person that you talk about, this legendary man. We do yeah. figure out the maze and what it's meant for. And we actually figure out why it's not... When, when these multiple characters tell the man in black the maze isn't meant for you, Yeah, 
it's because we realize the maze is actually meant for the host. Yeah, right. So, exactly. Yeah. Uh, you know, so the, the thing is, we never get answered about who this legendary man is. And that's why I wrote down this. I usually don't write down long quotes, but mm-hmm. it's super important because this legendary, legendary man could be Arnold. So, yeah. And then, and then the next thing that kind of got down is like Teddy and the man in black. They need to find a, a new way to get into Pariah because the, like, the normal, the quote unquote normal way is completely like covered and filled with these soldiers. Then we go back to what Felix and Maeve, right? Yeah, Felix and Maeve are on the table. Yeah. Yeah, big and so, dirty. And this <laughs> this part is very strange too because like this Felix guy is giving away secrets and like important information, Felix. like inside information to a host. Like like the, the, the absolute no-no of what you're supposed to do. Like like that's so unprofessional. He should be fired. He should have been fired already. But, like, the fact that he's giving this secret, like, you know, proprietary information to a host of all people is wild. Like, this is what this is the part where I'm talking about why I think this exact quote. Felix tells Maeve, everything you do, it's because the engineers upstairs programmed you to do it. He's telling her how her life story goes, which is, like, a huge no-no. Yeah. Like, he is the Gendry of westworld <laughs> he falls in love with the first thing he sees and it happened to be this hot bot <laughs> that's what it is and he's over here giving away the house and the cards because uh you know mave over here sexy mave is all naked in front of him that's what's going on and uh she does say a big point though he, he describes how like she is starting to she has figured out how to wake herself up again yeah because remember before they argued whether he put her in sleep mode right and now she's like discovered how to get herself back into this real world versus where she comes from so 100 percent. and like felix tries to explain to Maeve what she is and the difference between him and her and like how he knows he is not one of these like, you know i was born you were made mm-hmm. so it's just all this stuff that you cannot be doing and so he then shows her, her the behavior tablet and she starts to see her responses are pre-programmed and like appear on this behavior tablet yeah. and she like fucking short circuits like she's like, eh. like yeah, she, she does can't, like she, say she, what she wants yeah, to say then it says error error yeah, error because like she yeah. she realizes like you know fuck like like you're right like, uh, like yeah. she can't comprehend the fact that she's actually pre-programmed mm-hmm. so yeah i thought that was pretty crazy she starts short short circuiting and then we get into uh, Teresa with Bernard, and Teresa has <laughs> yeah. to break things off with big old Bernie. Oh, because, Bernie. Because, you know, remember remember back uh, when Ford and Teresa had that interaction in Westworld where she like, he brought her to the table she sat at as a child. Mm-hmm. He told, basically, like, hey, I know about you and Bernard, and we know why he knows about her and Bernard yeah. in a little bit. I'm not going to give it away. <clears throat> but she breaks their, their romantic relationship right. off with Bernard. Yeah. Um, and then we go back to Maeve and Felix, and Maeve talks Felix, and they're bringing her. Dude, who is this fucking Felix guy who thinks the audacity, like, oh, yes, you want me to bring you upstairs? I'll bring you upstairs. Sure, like, what? Yeah. Take the. What? Take all the alarm In codes, what too. What world is that actually really? That's okay. This is one part of the writing that really upsets me because, like, I, that to me is just not realistic. I don't see anyone just. Being like, all right, I'm just gonna give in to this robot every single time she asks me anything. I mean, like, like that's the this is the one this is the one yeah. caveat issue that I have. It's just it's too unrealistic for me. Like, 
Like this guy is not gonna cave. Maybe there's some time, maybe she can push him to a certain point and he finally does, but it's like everything she asks or requests, he, she, he like immediately is like, yep, here you go. Sure. No problem. Take it. He'll do like, he'll do like the smallest like, like resistance. Like, no, I can't. Yes, you can. Okay. Like you know what I mean? Like yeah. it's the weirdest thing. Which is which is weird too, because you know Sylvester over and over is like stop, like turn the fuck mm-hmm. off, mm-hmm. <laughs> like fuck off, stop it, like you'll speak no more of this. Um, and you would think that would trigger something, but no, this guy's just like giving her the house, man. It's like what were your giving interviews house. for, dude? <laughs> like. I don't. I don't understand. That's like working for the FBI, and you're just like telling, telling Russia everything we everything have. Everything they need yeah, to know. No worries. Everything they need to know. Wild. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So then, you know, Maeve actually gets taken upstairs. Felix takes her upstairs unexplainably, and she actually sees how the hosts are made, like how like they go through dip. Through <laughs> Giving her thing. a tour. Like, Give her a tour. Let's take a tour of our take amazing Westworld yeah. research facility. <laughs> and then she actually sees herself on the Westworld, what I call yeah. a trailer or commercial, like basically kind of the whole highlights of what Westworld is for like the actual guests who walk in and who are about to pay the $40,000, they kind of see what they can expect there. So Maeve actually sees herself with her like quote unquote daughter like mm-hmm. on the screen and yeah. and that's when, you know, she kind of has that little breakdown, falls to her knees type, type moment. Yeah. And then uh, Sylvester, like you said, catches Felix with Maeve, then threatens to tell QA. And then uh, <laughs> he still doesn't stop. Yeah, and then Maeve holds a scalpel to his throat, <laughs> and he's like, all right, you're right, my bad. Like, literally, he literally held the scalpel to, uh, she held the scalpel to Sylvester's throat. Because keep in mind, guys, hosts are not supposed to be able to harm, like, real humans. So not only is, is Maeve out of Westworld, and she is awake and um, operating in the real world, she's about to threaten this man's life, mm-hmm. which is not supposed to be... A, able to do that so that's this is yeah. another thing you're starting to see you know which is the big mind fuck coming later on but i do want to say this real quick though because felix when they were talking about um you know she was having the dreams and talking about her daughter felix tells her you know you've only been madame mariposa for the last year or so and she thought she's been there for 10 years exactly good point. right good point yeah and um he said i mean you know they they could um as far as like uh, you know like get rid of all your memories that were there from your previous role but that takes thousands of hours to rebuild personality so they just reassign you a new role yep so that like explains like where these memories are coming from good point that's actually a good point so then we get back to the man in black and teddy and they take union stragglers out and dress up in their clothes to infiltrate the union camp which is a great plan until a union person recognizes Teddy. <laughs> then Teddy starts shooting, <laughs> but there's too many of them, and they actually get taken captive. Which, like, think about this this way. If you're a real-life person, like the man in black, I guess, you're getting taken captive by, like, fake people. And, like, how embarrassing <laughs> that is. Like, especially when he is a, as a badass as he's become <laughs> and shows himself to be as he's the man in black before we realize his true identity. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was just it was just funny that, you know. It was important, too, because the guy did, like, recognize Teddy Flood. You probably have the quote that the guy said to, to Teddy about, like, you know, I would run, I'd remember that face anywhere, you know. You betrayed your own people. 
you know um actually it's funny a lot of the quotes you're telling me i have i i don't i got uh, lee in here and <laughs> got lee in there yeah, i got all that's... the ones that i saw important because i like yeah. their personality yeah but so th- basically they get trapped like they, they get caught and it's like i said i think it to the man in black it's got to be a huge hit to his ego because he always seems so in control of situations and then all of a sudden like you just got captured by union, <laughs> like fake hosts and then yeah man that's when we, that's when we get into um, drinking by the yeah, pool. We size more. Oh yeah, he baller. starts he starts chatting up the lady at the bar, which yeah. we, you know we find out later who that is. But like as of right now, in this moment, you've got no idea who this person is. You know, you just think she's just some girl. Yeah. You want to talk a little bit about that? Because I know Lee's your boy. Oh yeah, I love Lee, man. Uh, so he sees this girl at the bar. Um, the girl who it is is Tessa Thompson, who is Valkyrie in Marvel. So just know, so you know who the person is, not like her character. But he tells her that, like you know, the hosts sometimes can actually go off script um, based on like whatever their favorite narrative is, and and she's telling uh, Charlotte's asking him, you know, like you don't ever like participate in your own like narrative and he's like no nah, i just write them like i'm not gonna participate that'd be like if we never watched our own podcast and we just like gave our <laughs> podcast all the time um and then charlotte is really just a quick conversation and uh then charlotte uh just goes you know look me up later so i guess we're gonna find out who that is spoiler alert <laughs> but we'll find out her role said her name said her name yeah we'll find out who it is charlotte, <laughs> charlotte. <laughs> well you'll awesome. find out what she does yeah uh, later on and then exits out and then we get uh bernard is investigating section 17 at the park right before that elsie actually contacts bernard and tells bernard that she's close on finding the purpose responsible mm-hmm. And she doesn't seem phased by Teresa taking the fall. Like, remember that? Like, like, like. Basically, she tells him like he goes, "Well, you know, don't seem so sad about Teresa losing her yeah. job." And she's like, "Well, it's Teresa's fucking fault." Like, yeah. so you see that Elsie really does hold animosity towards the QA department mm-hmm. this entire time. Yeah. So she like you know she doesn't seem because this all this falls underneath QA, and so if it f- comes out that. Teresa's responsible. Teresa, Teresa's going to be fired. This is this entire point? And like Bernard has a or had a personal relationship with Teresa. Keep in mind, they, Teresa broke it off by this point. But the fact is, is like Bernard's feelings still seem to be remained for her. Yeah. And so that's why they have that uh, little thing where it's like, oh, well, don't don't seem like you're so sad for her. And she's like, well, she brought it upon herself. Yeah. So then then we get to your point where Bernard does enter Section 17, finds a cottage with a family made by Ford, right? Mm-hmm. Right. And so Ford shows Bernard the first generation hosts. They're undocumented and unmonitored hosts. This is the additional five that we were talking about where when he went and tried to figure out the time and place of the woodcutter and um, they weren't able to find it because he wasn't a new model, but he was an, an older one. So he went downstairs and he saw the exact time, the 2307 that I brought up a little bit ago. Mm-hmm. Right. And it said there's five additional unmonitored hosts. These are the additional five unmonitored hosts. And do you want to tell him a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, the... Basically, we see the the boy that we've seen for so long, and um, what Ford is is basically saying is, uh, so Ford comes out when mm-hmm. they walk into the house, and he sees and the, the dad boy. throws up Bernard against the right exactly wall yeah, yeah. and um, he can be lost in someone else's house <laughs> <laughs> exactly yeah. yeah, and and Ford was the one that stops like was it the host like from crumbling him yeah. up in the wall mm-hmm. and like stops him. 
Yeah, he's like, freeze all motor functions. And then the guy throws him up. Like, yeah, 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 and like, stops he, him. The thing is, like, Bernard couldn't... Well, the thing is, Bernard tries to say that. Bernard says, freeze all motor functions, Bern, and, like, yeah, the host wouldn't down. listen to him. Yeah. And so very, it's like, oh, shit, this host is off script. Like, it's off. It's, it's on mm-hmm. its own, like, little thing, so... And then the boy, like, when Ford walks in, he tells him, like, these were some of the first generations ever built in the park. Like, by... Were they built by Arnold, too? They were built by Arnold. And if you remember, guys, remember correctly what Ford says, he actually tells him, like... Um, Arnold made them for Ford. He basically made Ford's childhood come true. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the, the old guy was his dad, then like his mom and his brother and himself. So he actually made his own, mm-hmm. like like Arnold made Ford's family. Yeah. So that was really important. That's when you have that famous picture too of the boy's like face splits apart and you have like the skeleton of the robot kind of thing. And then it comes back together again. Exactly. And that's why you get to see what the first generation would look mm-hmm. like. Yeah. You right. know what I mean? When we were talking about like the difference between <clears throat> metal pieces and then flesh and bone. Yeah. And then keep in mind, too, when we say five five additional monitor hosts, dad, mom, brother, himself, dog. Those yeah. are five. Really cool. So then my favorite scene. Oh, go for it. <laughs> I, I know what you're talking about. I got it, too, but I'm going to let you take it. This oh, is your guy. this is fantastic. This is your guy. Yeah. Do your thing, bro. So Lee's still pissed off about his narrative being entirely, sorry, you don't get to take shots today, <laughs> entirely interrupted. Um, and just interrupted, is, scrapped. Scrapped. Like, like, yeah, like, literally, no, like, grabbed like a ball of paper through the trash. Like, fuck that. We're not like, going to like, what you want to no, do. No. Like, thanks for the hours of thoughts and work <laughs> on it, but no. <laughs> not doing that today. And he's obliterated. Like, imagine just drinking your ass off by the pool all day coming in fuck this fuck that he walks over like where the map room is takes his genitals out starts to piss on the map in front of all the agents and his bosses in front of ashley Stubbs. and says starts laughing like drunkenly well laughing. really sizemore is, is like he's not like Stubbs isn't Ashley's boss, like Teresa is. Yeah, but, I just meant he was yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like remember so, he was watching it rain from the ceiling, and then stuff acid rain. <laughs> that's, that's what I was. Oh, go, sorry, sorry. He goes, looks like acid rain or sweet water. Fuck Ford. Fuck him and his new fucking narrative. Fuck this stupid fucking map. Fuck that. Uh, fuck that too talling Danish bitch. I'm declaring this park as my stage, as I shall do with it what I please. <laughs> as the, like, piss falls down. And then Teresa appears and says, do you want to file a complaint? <laughs> Are you filing a complaint? What do you oh, got? Yeah. Sorry, oh, yeah. Oh, no, you're fine. Yeah, like, she walks in and says, yeah, like, would you like to file a complaint? And he's, like, uh. taking it back. And then, of course, you know, our girl that he just met, yeah, I Charlotte. I guess this is a, as good of opportunity as any to introduce you to Charlotte Hale. Yeah. <laughs> she says, the ex- this is the executive director of the board. board. The executive director of the board. He she- pissed over the map in front of the executive director of the board. Exactly. And she, uh, yeah, on behalf of Delios, to oversee certain transitions. Delos, yeah. Delos and our administration. Like, could you imagine that? Like, imagine making the biggest idiot Ass of, of yourself. yourself. Yeah. In front of the director of the That's fucking board. That's so embarrassing. I was embarrassed for him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So then we go back to the men in black and, and Teddy. Teddy. Yeah. So I got, what, what I've got here is the Union soldiers. They're about to brand Teddy. 
with the image of the maze. Mm-hmm. If you guys know what the branding stick had, it was the image of the maze, and they ripped his shirt off and that were about cool. to brand yeah. him with the image of the maze. Uh, undoes his, Kicks but, he, but he ends here. up undoing his bonds, and that's exactly what I said. He fucks him up. <laughs> like mm-hmm. he ends up undoing his bonds and fucks him up, and then it goes back to Elsie. And I her, do want to say something oh, real quick. Yeah, I was just gonna say how bad he fucked him up because he like hit him with the brand stick. And the, yeah, so I counted. He hit three men with the branding tool, climbed on top of the wagon where the turret was with the machine gun, and he took out 30 men and blew up a wagon, killing all of them. Like, that's badass. That's Jon Snow type of shit. And then what did did the man say? He's like, man, what are you doing? He said, making peace with past indiscretions. He said, you think you know someone. (laughs) And Teddy said, you don't know me at all. Right, but there was also a point in there. He's like, "What are you doing?" He's like, "Making peace with past indiscretions." Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was pretty That's cool. That's great. That was awesome. Um, but yeah, then we get back to Elsie and Bernard, and you know, Elsie tells Bernard that the satellite was one of theirs, Delos. The broadcasting system abandoned, and then she's like, and "Like the broadcasting was the system that was abandoned in the theater in Sector Three. So, I think I said that weird. Let me go ahead and try that again. Broadcasting system is the in the abandoned theater in Sector 3. There we go. <laughs> That's what we were trying to say. And so then, you know, she's trying to find that there, and we get a quick little uh, cut to uh, Robert Ford, who the little boy, like, approaches him, and, you know, we go over there, and we find that the dog is dead. Mm-hmm. Like, Jock, the dog yeah. is dead. And... Ford starts questioning the boy, and the boy initially lies to him. Do you have Do you have that interaction? Uh, no, I just have that little moment. Yeah, because because yeah, exactly. Lies, it's not it's not really that important know? to the storyline. It's basically like you know he lies to him, and then Ford discovers the truth. But the thing is, is that that little boy is supposed to be him as a child. Yeah. So it's like he already knew what was going to happen. It's <clears> almost <throat> like he was replaying his own childhood over because he made the great mm-hmm. hand. You know, yeah. so Arnold. Arnold is the one that supposedly built this family for, you know, as a present or a gift to um, Ford. And, you know, so this is like his little way of indulging himself, like in his own family. Um, But yeah, so then. It shows, though, too, like these hosts aren't supposed to, just like how Dolores almost did with Bernard, like when she was withholding information. But now it shows these hosts can deliberately tell you the wrong thing well keep in mind these are that like that boy is one of the five hosts that's unmonitored mm-hmm. so it's like he doesn't go by the set of rules that all the rest of the hosts do because yeah. he's not someone that they've they've authorized and put out this is right. a secret one that like no one really mm-hmm. knows about other than bernard and art and um i'm sorry ford gotcha. so it's like yeah. it's like this one can lie and it can do that because it's it's almost like Ford wants that. He wants because remember mm-hmm. his whole thing is about making these things more and more realistic, more and more lifelike, and that's the big argument and fight between him and management and the board mm-hmm. is that like he keeps trying to make these things so human like, and yeah. they, they don't want that to be the case. And so, and I think that's why you know he's able to lie to Ford is because that's what Ford wanted, is yeah. like, especially for his own little like self. But um, then we go into a little bit about Elsie finding the relay right and bernard goes to teresa at this time that elsie finds the relay and bernard's about to tell teresa about ford's unmonitored hosts and just as he's about to disclose that information that would really probably fuck ford over elsie calls him and she says 
I hit pay dirt. I found the person who was smuggling out our data. It was Teresa. Yeah. So, and then, then Teresa's like, do you have anything you want to tell me? And he's like, not right now. Like, you remember yeah. that? Like, oh, so, yeah, of course. But she was in a weird room, too. It was like a carnival props room. It was a theater. Trunk. It was an abandoned theater. Yeah. Remember, like, abandoned theater in Sector 3. That's, That's right. What I, yeah, okay, I yeah. mentioned that, right? Yeah, so it was an abandoned theater in Sector 3 that uh, she was she found the relay in. And so, you know, now we know that Teresa is the one that was trying <laughs> to get that information. Now that Bernard knows, Bernard no longer feels comfortable in telling Teresa about Ford's unmonitored mm-hmm. host. Right. So then, like, he doesn't tell her about that. Then... We get to Elsie and Bernard, and uh, Elsie tells Bernard that Teresa isn't their only problem, that there is also something much bigger going on here. Mm -hmm. Right. So, what do you got next? Felix and Sylvester? Uh, Yeah, Maeve, uh, where she's requesting alterations at this point. Right. Oh, this is a good point that you were talking about, because what I've got is that Felix and Sylvester show Maeve her code base. Mm -hmm. And, guys, this code base thing is super important, because, like I mentioned before, these hosts have attributes very similar to Madden or 2K where like, you know, if you are unhappy with one of your player's statistics, like, you know, you want him to be faster, you can you can manually upgrade his speed from like a 91 to a 99 and he can be the fastest player on the field. So just like that, you know, there is a, a code base and there are attributes on a zero to 20 point scale. So for example, her like overall, what's it called? Bulk apperception is at a 14, which is overall intelligence mm-hmm. is at a 14. And like eventually she's gonna want that boosted all the way up. But that's exactly what I'm talking about. Like, so 14 out of 20, so that's pretty high. You know, so you get to see all these sort of attributes are something that you can tinker with and fix as it goes on and on. Yeah, so. I remember there was even a point where she was asking you know, Sylvester, she was like, why isn't my intelligence higher? And he was like, well, you're not a manager. Like, you don't need that. Like, oh, other, other way around, brothel. she is a manager. That's okay, why. that's right, yeah. Because, no, she, like, like, like they're saying that the 14 is as high as you can go because gotcha. she's in a management yeah. position. Mm-hmm. So, okay. yeah. 14 so is actually like that, yeah. great. 14 is gotcha. the highest intelligence level that they will allow a host to get up to. And so, that's why she, like, the, what Sylvester was basically telling her, and Felix was telling her, is that your intelligence is as high as it's ever going to get. Like, 14 is gotcha. the best. Because yeah. you have to be because you're in a management position mm-hmm. in the show. So you have got to be a little bit more gotcha. you know, savvy in dealing with the people. So, you know, that's that's um, pretty important there. And then Maeve talks Felix and, and Sylvester into making alterations to her yeah, attributes. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> they just give it up. Like, you know, they this. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's it, this, sure. this is the only really part. So it's this has all been really well methodically wrote out in terms of a show in the script to me these interactions between felix sylvester and mave are the only things that bother me because they it's never just call like security or anything. no security <laughs> like they just just like cave into what she wants to do and it's not even like a lot of persuading it's like she'll be like please and they'll be like no she's like do it anyways like okay like you know yeah, what i mean like, like it's sure. not really right. there's no real objection from them yeah. and that's what really bugs me about this so if i've got an issue with the the show and the writing so far it's the interactions between may felix and sylvester yeah it's not realistic to me especially in such a high profile job you know how probably hard it is to get a job working for westworld <laughs> yeah and like, like and like you are yeah. one of the ones that are putting these things back together after yeah. they get shot and killed and you've got to like like yeah. be a surgeon you're in a high position you're gonna risk that yeah Ju- and then just by being asked questions and then like you know can you do this no can you do this okay 
Like, not to know, mention you would like go to jail. You'd probably you'd be absolutely. like at risk of jail you'd time. Lose your, you'd, you'd lose your job. You would be like sued by the lawyers for sure. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, dude. That's why the, that part. This is the only part that's really like I don't love. But you know, I'll yeah. I'll deal with it. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm right there with you. Then, <laughs> then we get back to Elsie and Bernard, and this again. For me, I don't like writing big, long quotes unless they're super, super important. I've got a paragraph quote here for you guys. Go for it. So Elsie tells Bernard, Teresa is using the old bicameral control system to reprogram the woodcutter, but she's not the only one. Someone else has been using this system for weeks to retask hosts. And then Bernard asks, which hosts? Elsie says, I don't know. Several of them. It had to be the older models. The newer ones don't have receivers, but these modifications, they are serious. Changing loops, breaking loops. Some of these changes are to their prime directives, Bernard. They could lie to us, maybe even hurt us or the guests. And then Bernard asks, who issued these modifications? To which Elsa responds, I don't know. The best I could tell, Arnold. And Bernard says, He's dead. And Elsie responds, Yeah, well, he's a pretty fucking prolific coder for a dead guy. Whatever argument he was having with Ford, it doesn't seem like he was done making his point. Yeah. That was Dude, badass. that's a big that ass awesome. quote. Huge, yeah. huge moment here. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, the, again, we go back to like the Ford questioning the boy about the dog. Comes out that Robert, the, the boy Robert told him his head was. Uh, to put Jock, like the dog out of its misery by Arnold, like mm-hmm. so, the Arnold was in yeah, the boy's head right. and saying, like you know, put the dog out of its misery. So it's like, is there like a power struggle between Arnold and Ford? Like you know, it almost seems that yeah, way. Yeah, you know, it kinda. makes you wonder, right? It, yeah, yeah, it makes you so, wonder. Interesting stuff, man. Then we get back to Elsie. She gets attacked from behind, and it's funny because. Okay, guys, I don't want to give anything away, but like, I, I, I wish I would have told you this, and I'll tell you maybe later after the episode what I have written in parentheses here. Because before, like, when she hears rustling behind her and she knows someone's there, she says two names. She says, Bernard? And then nothing answers, and she says, Arnold? And then she gets like attacked from behind. Yeah. Which is kind of funny, and I'll, I'll talk to you about it why afterwards, yeah. bro, but like, because I don't want to give anything away for, for later on. Um, but yeah. Then Felix and Sylvester discover some of Maeve's attributes have already been changed through unlogged sessions with someone with enormous privileges. Mm-hmm. Meaning what? Meaning Ford, right? If someone has got those enormous privileges, it can't be anybody else but Ford. And so he's already been changing some of these things all along. And we're yeah. starting to see he's been pulling these strings this entire time. So, I mean, this hasn't come out that it was Ford, but realistically, who else is it going to be, Right. And one thing she pushes, she demands to have turned all the way up is bulk appreciation. Yeah, her intelligence always from 14 to 20. Yeah. And what bulk appreciation is, is Overall the process of understanding yeah. something. Overall yeah. intelligence. So it's, yeah, I mean, it, it just keeps showing, like, she's just playing. She thinks she is in charge of this lead right now. Like, she's playing her own game, but really she's just, part of a bigger circle because they've already this is just in that moment before they discover that someone's already been changing like her attributes and like modifying them yeah and then that's the last part kind of before we head into episode seven there is Maeve convinces them to take her bulk apperception all the way up to 20 and she ends the episode with the quote dear boys we're going to have some fun 
aren't we? Yeah. So <laughs> that's that's awesome. how. I and like Sylvester and Felix are just like freaked out. <laughs> like what the fuck? Yeah. Dude, they don't. They have no idea what they just did. <laughs> yeah. Like they've got no idea like how this is gonna turn out here in the future. And so now we will start episode seven, which will be the final episode that we tackle today. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So the. Uh, the first thing I've got here is Bernard questioning Hector Escaton about his reality as well. Kind of almost the same thing he does yeah. with Dolores, like questioning about his reality. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a specific interaction and shows pictures of the real world. And this has been the staple... Guys, remember, this has been the staple quote for every single time a host sees something they're not supposed to see. That doesn't look like anything to me. That's what... Dolores said to mm-hmm. her dad when her dad right. showed her the picture of the woman. That's what uh, Hector Escaton says to Bernard about the pictures. Remember, he shows pictures like New York City right. and like yeah, all these things. Right. Yeah. And he says, they don't look like anything to me. Then later on, at the very end of this episode, you know, someone else says that exact yeah. same quote too. So that's a very important quote because it shows that anytime a host sees something or hears something it's not supposed to it almost like ignores it like it doesn't actually exist like yeah. they, they, they can't physically comprehend it right like it's exactly. not there it doesn't yeah. exist right? right so from there we got what Dolores and William and El Azo entering Ghost Nation yeah uh, I yeah um, let's see I was over with Bernard remember Bernard a week over his like son though Oh, you talk. You talking about like because I just remember he had the like visions of his son, and he was like saying "dad, dad," and he was just having those memories of his son. From Which before. was weird because like we understand a little bit more because we finished the season already, like a little bit about what that was. Yeah. So it's like, it, it, yeah, I can't wait till we get to the end of this episode. Yeah, because, exactly. Like, like there's some, yeah. there's the big reveal, right? So, but you know, then Teresa right walks in. Are you at the part yet? Not yet, because what okay, I've got gotcha. first before Teresa walking in on Charlotte. Oh, okay, here we uh, are. Yeah, Dolores and William and Alazo. Gotcha. They entered Ghost Nation territory, and this is that Game of Thrones moment yeah. where they see the heads on the spikes yeah, through like cool. the little like yeah. the little train compartments. So they know they're in uh, unfriendly territory. Deep shit, yeah, I would say. Right? Deep shit. Yeah. And so now we get to Teresa and I'll, 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 I'll take that away because you love these scenes oh bro. yeah man but Josh was like asking me today he's like do you have a thing with like orgies or something I'm like no man just just real some crazy shit but anyway so Teresa hears these like loud sex noises coming through the hall and she's like what like what's going on and she's being called to Charlotte because Charlotte called a meeting to mm-hmm. her right yep. So she's like, "What the hell? Like, this is this isn't right." Could you imagine like walking to a meeting that you were called with, to with like the top part, the executive director <laughs> yeah. of the board? Oh, like, yeah. like you know what I mean? Like, this is the top dog. Like, this is the person. Oh yeah, no, definitely. And so Charlotte answers the door like butt ass naked, like nothing on. <laughs> and uh, Teresa walks in and is like, "Is this a bad time?" She's like, "Oh no, definitely not." Like, and what you doesn't s- give a fuck. And what do you see? Like you see Hector tied up <laughs> by his wrist. Like Hector Escaton, the bad guy, the host. So, like Charlotte's literally fucking one of the hosts. Like Hector, the bad guy, is tied up by his hands in the in the bed. And doesn't yeah. doesn't she like turn him off or say something along the lines of like you know yeah, shut him then, down so they can have a conversation? And then remember yeah. she asked Teresa for a cigarette. Like has the balls to ask for a cigarette as she's like throwing a robe on. <laughs> but she's saying. What the reason she called the meeting for Teresa is is because you know basically like we were talking about these hosts are becoming too real and they don't like that with yeah. Ford at all. So she tells Teresa, 
that they're going to have Ford step down. They're going to force him out. They're going to pull a coup. Yeah, Yeah, they're going to force force him out. out. And for that, they need a blood sacrifice. Which is really, really interesting because that actually comes up later on. Because what Charlotte said, she's like, the gods require a blood sacrifice. Yeah. But this is echoing something that happens later on in the same episode. So if you guys don't remember, I got it down here, right? So now we get back to the real world peeps in the hazmat suits they take clementine right like so they go into that thing and like you think they're going to take mave because mm-hmm. mave has been doing like exhibiting all these crazy behaviors going up into the real world getting her attributes lifted so, yeah like it almost makes you think they're going to take mave and they actually take clementine yeah right because remember yeah they were like she was waiting by the bar yeah for both, them of, them were, take yeah, them. both yeah. of them were waiting by mm-hmm. the bar and mave's kind of like thinking to herself fuck because remember now mave's bulk app perceptions up to 20 when she's like as smart mm-hmm. as you can possibly get as a host and it was that same scene replaying where she was like i told you never to open, open your, your mouth, mouth yeah. unless you're someone's paying for it mm-hmm. um so it's like this whole kind of repeat moment um yeah and, and that's what happens they took clementine yeah then the next thing I have is Dolores and William, right? So Dolores asks William, what is it he's looking for, right? Mm-hmm. And he, remember when he says like he's, he's like lived in books? Like, like he has that weird like, you know, kind of. Yeah. Yeah, you, you, you want me to read it? Yeah, do it. He said, uh, the only thing I had when I was a kid were books. I used to live in them. I used to go to sleep dreaming I'd wake up inside of them because they had meaning. This place, this is like I woke up inside one of those stories. I guess I just want to find out what it means. And Dolores says, I don't want to be in a story. All I want is not to look forward and back. I just want to be in the moment I'm in. And William says, Dolores, back home there's a woman, Juliet, and her father owns the company where I work. Dolores, she's Logan's sister, William. And when I get home, we're getting married. The place after, the place you're after, I will help you find it. But I can't stay. I have a life waiting for me. I'm sorry. So like, this is kind of like that moment where he's still, I guess, snapping back into reality just a little bit. And then um, he says, Dolores, I've been pretending my whole life, pretending I belong. My life's built on it, and it's a good life. It's a life I've always wanted. But then I came here, and I get a glimpse for a second of life in which I don't have to pretend. A life in which I can truly be alive. How can I go back to pretending when I know what this feels like? Which is, I gotta eat some crow here and admit when I was wrong. I remember in uh, part one, I already I said that uh, William was already married. I was wrong. He was engaged. Uh, and this is where he, because like you said he he's going to get married when he gets back to the real world. Gotcha. So okay. So I was wrong yeah. in the beginning, like the last last part there. But um, yeah, what I've got here is William chases her to the train cargo room and basically throws his real life away for some robotang. Throwing away those inhibitions. Pretty Moving much. Moving in the club and shake your stuff. Oh yeah, I haven't done that one this episode yet. No, you were excited. Josh was waiting for that moment all episode. <laughs> oh, yeah. Fine. We'll find another song for you then. Maybe we can go with... um. Hmm. Maybe we don't need to have a I song. haven't found one yet, but that was a good one. Maybe we can be adults about sexual interaction. Blow those inhibitions to the wind. Could you imagine, that? Could nah, you imagine they, that? Nah, that's... 
probably why I'm at where I am today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but anyways, we're going to move on from that scene and get to where Teresa and Charlotte call Bernard and Ford down. And they basically falsify update issues and bugs and use Clementine as a crash dummy, claiming she remembers assault and holds grudges against the people and takes action. So, like, do you happen to have, like, a little breakdown of that actual scene? Yeah. Because that, that, that's, the, that's the long and short of it. Is that's exactly what these people are doing. They're making this. They they basically are showing a demonstration to the shareholders and like everyone important in the room together. It was a well thought out sabotage. Really was what it was. They basically made Clementine like you know do her whole try to seduce a guy thing. The guy beats her down, and then they they call a stop to it. Then they kind of replay it, and then. It's like they make Clementine remember what that guy did to her and, like, Clementine, like, fucks him up. Like, you know, kills him. And so they try to blame Ford and, and Bernard because of the updates. And it was a, a deliberate sabotage. And they, like, ambush Ford, first of all. Like, he comes in and Ford's like, oh, yeah, you know, they have a presentation they're going to give us. And um, what happens is after, you know, it Clementine, like, kills that guy she killed him right like i didn't see him come back alive like she shoved his head who's a host oh he's a host okay he wasn't like an actual guy but like um what happens is after ashley was saying the guy ashley you know frees all motor functions and she doesn't luke hemsworth yeah luke hemsworth um so and she's malfunctioning what happens is you have Charlotte and Teresa suggest rolling back the host and rebuilding all of them over a six-month period. And Charlotte says, uh, is talking to Bernard at this point, um, after, well, talking to Ford and then Bernard, after all, this was your responsibility, assuming that you have nothing to share with us about in your terms of your culpability. And Bernard says, no, Charlotte, then you're fired. And then Bernard, so here's the full monologue. Bernard says, you're telling us that these hosts were responding to a grudge. And Teresa says, that's exactly what I'm saying, Mr. Lowe. And funny, you should use that particular word, grudge, since what was most troubling to me was that several texts and behavior violated these exact same concerns to the head of their department. You put this code out there without proper vetting and without reasonable understanding of its ramifications. So either you didn't write it or you're getting sloppy to the point of risking the lives of our guest, Charlotte. Few things surprise me anymore, Mr. Lowe, but this level of negligence is fucking breathtaking. We are way beyond rollback territory. Within the next six months, we'll need to rebuild the host from the ground up. That's when Bernard says, you want us to lobotomize them? Is that what you're saying? No, not you, Mr. Lowe. After all, this was your responsibility. Assuming that you have nothing to share with us in terms of your culpability, no. Then you're fired. Yeah. And they like, and think of this moment. Because they all sit there and they start, Bernard starts looking at Ford. Right, because that's the point I was going to bring. This entire time, Bernard's looking at Ford like, motherfucker you did this but i'm gonna take the fall for you like yeah like that was a crazy thing is basically bernard was the fall guy mm-hmm. uh, that's yeah. exactly like, like talk about some corporate fucking politics <laughs> like, yeah that's exactly what it was and i do want to say this it's like ford didn't stick up for bernard for a reason 
he he kind of, I think he kind of had an mm-hmm. idea what was going to happen this yeah. whole time. Yeah. And so then uh, now we go back to William a little bit, William mm-hmm. and, and Dolores. And then big quote by William here, something that I believe helps you understand who William is at, at his core, right? He says, I used to think this place was all about pandering to your basic instincts. Now I understand. It doesn't cater to your lowest self. It reveals your deepest self. It shows you who you really are. So this entire time, like we've already been talking for, like this Westworld really introduces someone to themselves. And now he's finally realized that. But the issue is he's realized it in terms of like a like a fostering an understanding. But his mind, it's like he can't separate the fact that he knows what it is but still gets caught up in it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right, so exactly. That's that's the crazy part to me. And then so now I I I, I get to where like Dolores is in that train and she's drawing something almost like on the canvas of what's holding like what they're covering with this like cloth thing. And she's drawing where the mountains meet the sea. Mm-hmm. And why that's important is because remember what Teddy said to her a while ago. I'm going to bring you to the place where the mountains meet the sea, where the water is so clear it'll wash the past right off you. Mm-hmm. So she's always been dreaming of this quote unquote magical place of where the water meets the sea. Right. And exactly. well, this will come full around what in episode ten. Yeah. Which you know mm-hmm. we won't get there right now. But that's that. I just thought that she her drawing it was super important because it is it, it was almost a indication that she was doing it of free will like she wasn't making the decision that wasn't a pre-programming because you know she's supposed to stay in a certain quote-unquote loop and now she not only does she remember about this special place she's drawing it yeah no i thought it was great for sure and then uh, what I've got now is the Confederados ambushing the train, right? Is that <laughs> yeah, what you got? Yeah, Confederados. Confederados <laughs> ambushing the train with Alazo, Dolores, and William on it. Uh, it's cool because what what like Lawrence or Alazo does is he sends out Dead Slim with the nitro inside of him. Yeah. And they actually shoot him, and it blows up most of the ambush people, and they make a run for it, right? And as they're making a run. They're, they're like kind of hot on their tail but all of a sudden ghost nation appears and takes out the confederados mm-hmm. fucking dope. that was really cool really dope awesome shit. yeah and then they kind of come to a place where they keep running all three of them by themselves and like Alazo kind of makes a proposition you know you know you you've got a knack for killing you know i don't have the exact quote there but what the quote that i did have basically that I thought was super important because remember, guys, the farther you get from the center of the the map, the, you know, of the farther from Sweetwater or Westworld itself, the more intense the experience gets. And so when he tells uh, El Lazo he's going to head out that way, he asks him, "What is out that way?" And Lauren says, "You're going to have to ask the dust. Ain't nothing ever came back from there." Mm-hmm. Just so. so everyone knows what Ghost Nation is, those the were savages. those. Yeah, they're like Indian things, Native Americans, and they shot them with the arrows as they were running away from them. Um, and remember, Dolores almost fell off the horse and then had to get on Williams. But just so everyone knows what Ghost Nation is, so they don't think like a haunted house. <laughs> like it was like those savage things. I would assume that most people who are listening have probably either seen Westworld or. Yeah. Could have fooled me, man. I thought we were. 
doing paranormal shit there. <laughs> I'm just fucking with you. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, I just thought it was crazy because we've got this, like, it, it seems, even to us as viewers, it seems very real, right? Like, hey, you know, with Lawrence basically saying that nothing ever comes back from out this way, that, imagine how intense, if it hasn't been intense yet, imagine how intense it's going to get mm-hmm. if they don't, if they decide to go out that way. Because he's saying, no one's ever came back from there. Yeah. And we might find a reason why someone loses themselves mentally. But mm-hmm. anyways, I'm not yeah. going to get into that. Um, now I got, we got, you got back to Maeve, right? Yeah, back to Maeve. Demands Felix to find Clementine. Yeah. They find Sylvester drilling into her nose with Teresa in the room. Yeah, that like, was that like was that fucking it. crazy. You almost got caught right there, man. Like, do Felix? Do Felix is? Neat. <laughs> She's like just standing there, like naked. Like, no one's gonna question like why this host well, is just standing honestly, there. Honestly, it's. It, it, I think that was a smart thing because, you know, that's how they transport them from place to place. And like, keep gotcha, in mind to like yeah. to these you know management or other quote unquote coworkers, transporting naked hosts who seem mindless isn't out of the ordinary yeah now if all of a sudden this person was dressed up and like was eloquent you know, and they find out it was a host later on that's very yeah. suspicious so treating it as if she if that if you're gonna do it that's the way to do it make it seem yeah, as less like less suspicious as you can but um but remember like it was more of a it was a very emotional scene like he has the drill and it's mm-hmm. like going up her nose uh, and the blood is like falling out of her nose, almost like a Daenerys Targaryen in that finale, with the blood coming out. And what the biggest thing I she will never be Daenerys <laughs> ever. The thing that I took away from this is like Felix had the balls to do this, and like Teresa, like the manager of QA, like one of the top dogs in the thing, was in that room. He could have been fucked if she realized yeah. like what that was and what he was doing. Yeah. Like it's not just his immediate boss. This is like the fucking like yeah. boss boss. Like like outside of the board and Ford. Yeah. She's the guy. It goes the board. It goes Ford, and then it goes Teresa. Like mm-hmm. Ed. Like yeah. she's at the very top. Like yeah. you know with all these people, right? So I just thought that was crazy. But then, uh, Bernard asks to talk to Teresa in private. Right. That's is that the next mm-hmm. thing you got. Yeah, that's what I have. So I got this big quote from Bernard. Again, a big, big paragraph of a quote, but super important for what's going to happen later on, right? Bernard tells Teresa, The test was a sham. The little show you and Hale put on, completely transparent from a technical perspective. Clumsy to the point of making me embarrassed for you. Embarrassed. If I saw through it, I can only imagine what Ford was thinking. There were glaringly obvious makers of human intervention in the code. If your program were any good, they'd be working if your programmers were any good, they'd be working for me. And I know you and your team were responsible for the stray and its satellite transmission. Forty years ago, Ford's partner wrote half the code this place was founded on. What you said in the lab was right. We don't know how the hosts work, and I think there's something wrong with them. Yeah, that's big pretty big big big, yeah that's really big and so now and then the next thing i wrote down as a bullet point is there's a connection between memory and improvisation yeah big moment there yeah so what do you got after that Maeve tells felix investor if they don't help her she'll kill him yeah that's (laughs) that's exactly what it was i love you wrote down memory and improvisation because that's what i wrote down too about that but 
Yeah, uh, basically, you know, you have that big quote with Maeve, too. Like, Sylvester says, because <clears throat> Maeve talks about that you motherfuckers are going to help me escape. Mm-hmm. Like, referring to Felix and Sylvester. And Sylvester says, do you know how far these people will go to protect their IP? Which is Westworld. Like, their IP is, like... Well, think about it. Like, like if you got a computer, you have an IP address. Yeah. It's just like that. It's, like, your own personal, like... like yeah. That, that's your code. Like, that's that... Basically... Right. It exposes everything about you. Mm -hmm. If someone has access to my IP address, they can basically do whatever they want. Like, uh, when people talk about, like, you know, that's one reason we never went to Anchor. Like, you go to Anchor, they take your IP. Like, our IP here is Factor Fantasy. Well, IP is more, it's a little bit more, it's a coding coding thing. Because if you look on any sort of computer, there's an IP address of the computer. And so, what most people don't want to do is they don't want, others that have access to their IP address. Mm-hmm. That's something that you don't yeah. want to give access out to. And so it's just kind of like that similar type of deal. Like what, what they'll do to protect their IP right. is because they don't want other people to have access to it. So. Exactly. Uh, and he says, every part of this building is designed to keep you here, including the skin on your back. It's a suicide mission. Mayo says, at first I thought you and the others were gods. Then I realized you're just men. And I know men. You think I'm scared of death? I've done it a million times. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, holy shit. <laughs> like, Didn't she ask like, how many shit. times have you died or something like that afterwards? I don't know. Uh, yeah, she says, and I'm fucking great at it. How many times have you died? And it's, um, that's that. And then she says, because if you don't help me, I'll kill you. And that's that moment where they're sitting there and they're like, well, we've already fucked up this far. <laughs> Let's keep fucking up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, and then we're back to uh, this big, big moment we're about to have. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's, it's close to closing <clears throat> us out, right? Yeah. Right, so what's it? it's Bernard with Teresa. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Big quote that I have here from Bernard. And I wrote the, the parentheses next to this quote and I was like, duh. But this is the quote. Bernard says, the longer I work here, the more I understand the hosts. It's the human beings that confuse me. And then she's like going around and she finds that like they're in this like this area. Is it the same? Is it the theater? Is it the theater that Elsie was in or is it a different area? They go into that house. Right. right? Oh, the, okay. The house. The, with the original generations. Got like it. The okay. five generations. Okay. The one that like Arnold's get to Ford. Yeah. Okay. Got it. it. And then when they're in that house, they find. Well, well that's the thing yeah. in here mm-hmm. is that she like, you know, she's like, what's through this door? And Bernard says, what door? Bernard mm-hmm. can't see the door. Yeah. Does anyone see any problem with that? Bernard can't see the door. Teresa then says, so Ford's been making his own host out here and telling no one. And then she finds something very, very interesting. Yeah. Do you have anything that you want to put before I say it here? Go for it. It's all yours. Teresa finds Bernard's blueprints. She finds two others as well. Right. Mm-hmm. And then Teresa shows Bernard... She looks at him and says, What is this, Bernard? And what does Bernard say? It doesn't look like anything to me. That same quote when Dolores was shown the picture by Aber- Peter Abernathy, and she, when it's something you're not supposed to see, it doesn't look like anything to me. When Bernard showed uh, Hector all these pictures of like the cities and stuff outside, 
doesn't look like anything to me. When Teresa shows Bernard the blueprints of himself, doesn't look like anything to me. Same use, same words hosts use when they are presented something they're not supposed to see or know. Then our maniacal genius walks in. Dr. Ford says, They cannot see things that will hurt them. I've spared them that. Big reveal. Bernard's a host. This entire yeah. fucking time, Bernard was a damn host, bro. Yeah, that was badass. How? That was fucking what crazy. a fucking... When I watched it for the first time... See, I got the man in black quickly. I was proud of myself. It was easy. They I didn't think me he was up with William, Bernard. though. I didn't think he was... Well, I... Don't, I, don't tell him. Uh, there he is. Shit, man. Fuck. <laughs> That's okay. I did. I, 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 I figured it out very, very quickly who the man in yeah. black was because, mm-hmm. honestly, there was a funny thing. The quote that I figured out uh, who the man in black was is when... Um, if you remember early when he was telling Lawrence, uh, we're friends, Lawrence. I even know the tune you whistle when you piss. <laughs> yeah, When you take right. a piss. That's mm-hmm. when I know I know who it is. But... This Bernard thing really fucked me up in the head. Mm-hmm. And this makes so much sense because you go back to remember when he's in bed and she's like, what were you doing? Practicing? And that's exactly the fuck mm-hmm. he was doing because he's a damn host. Yeah. No, it's fantastic. Oh, I do love this part too. Do you have the rest of it with Teresa? Where she's- the he's not under your control part? Like when Teresa says, he's not under your control. Yeah. He, I, 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 I got she's so, like, you're yeah, a fucking yeah, right. monster. Yeah, gotcha. So, uh, well, I don't know if I've got that part. This is what I've got next is like, um, you know, he's basically telling Teresa that, you know, Bernard's a host this entire time, and Teresa's basically saying, oh, he's he's a he's a rogue host. He's not, you know, she says this. This is like her, her quote exactly. He's not under your control. He brought me here to show me this. And Ford responds, No, he brought you here because I asked him to. He's been yeah. loyal for many years. And then Teresa says, Do you really think the board will stand for this? And Ford says, the board will do nothing. Our arrangement is too valuable to them. They test me every now and then. I think they enjoy the sport of it. This time they sent you. Sadly, in order to restore things, the situation demands a blood sacrifice. Charlotte's words echoing earlier when Charlotte told uh, Teresa that they need a blood sacrifice. And then he says, see... Arnold and I designed every part of this place. It was our dream. Did you really think I would let you take it from me? And then he commands Bernard to kill Teresa. Yeah. Pretty fucking insane. Yeah. Pretty insane. And this whole time, she's like, you're a monster. And remember, he even goes into... You know, the intimacies with Bernard, that was you. Yeah, you <laughs> like, initiated it. You initiated it, and it's just like... In, it's Which shows us exactly why, why Ford knew about their relationship. Remember when they were back at that table that she sat at when she was a child? Mm-hmm. And she's like, and he was like, do, do be careful, Bernard. He's got a delicate disposition. Why does he yeah. have a delicate disposition? Because he's not fucking real. Yeah. It was crazy this entire time. And this is exactly crazy. why, if you guys heard us talking about last week... In part one that we did here, we were so confused about this whole Bernard's wife situation because Bernard's a fucking host. Like, I get it. Like, the child is a part of his backstory, and that kind of gives him that, like, who he is. But what's the wife have to do with anything? Why even make it, like, why is that a thing? And, like, when she, he actually, like, FaceTime, like, or maybe I should say, like, the Star Wars, like, projection talk to her. Like, 
what importance does she play at all? Why were we even shown yeah. that? Like, that was a weird thing. But. There is one big quote we missed, though, that was in that section. Because it, it's kind of weird at first. Like, he talks about a peacock, and you're like, what the fuck are you saying? But he says... Intelligence? Yeah, yeah. he says, I read the theory once that human intellect was like peacock feathers. feathers, Just an extravagant display intended to attract the mate. All of art, literature, and a bit of Mozart, William Shakespeare, Michelangelo, and the Empire State Building. Just an elaborate mating ritual. Maybe it doesn't matter that we have accomplished so much for the most basis reasons. But of course, the peacock can barely fly. It lives in the dirt, pecking insects out of the muck, consoling itself with its great beauty. I have come to think of this so much as consciousness, as a burden, a weight. We have spared them of anxiety, self-loathing, guilt. These hosts are the ones who are free. Free here, under my control. <laughs> That's when you're like, holy shit. <laughs> so we, you, you can really get a good appreciation for like the fact that at, you think you got a jump on this guy. You think you're one step ahead of him. He's always yeah. one step ahead, bro. Always. It's Man, I'm trying to think. It's almost like a Tywin Lannister type deal, man. Like he think, is, like, he like, is dude, Tywin like, you Lannister. Got, like he's a little bit of Kyburn because he's a maniacal genius, and he's a little bit of Tywin with like you think he got the jump on him, and you just don't, man. Like it's, yeah, I would say Kyburn and Tywin because remember t- when Tywin was like, if you think he's the one pulling all the strings, <laughs> dude, yeah, you think you think he's the most powerful man in Westeros, so you have no idea what you're talking about, pretty much. Like yeah, man, just crazy. Yeah. It's yeah, and that's what happens. It's um, that that, that kind see of see Teresa, yeah, and that Bernard kills her, like, and that's kind of like, like a sad moment because like Teresa was vulnerable with Bernard. They had like sexual interactions, and she thought he was a real person. They developed a real connection. And the only reason she broke off their relationship is because she found out that Ford knew. Like, it's not because she like dropped her feelings for him. So like, this entire time she was played by his the whole like a via fucking lynn and (laughs) yeah (laughs) like dude this entire time and it was so fucking remember the way he did it he like he like lifted up his sleeves took off his tie walked over and just smashed her head it was a business transaction yeah it was fucking weird dude like smashed her against the wall until like her head crushed and and some over and shit and then he just (laughs) buttoned his sleeves back up adjusted his tie and went back to work yeah Bernard being a host is the one twist that fucking caught me. It did. Yeah. It got me good. That was but, good stuff. But yeah, I think that's going to wrap us up for today. That will wrap us know? up for today. Uh, you know, so far what we covered in part one last week was episodes one, two, three, and four. What we did today was five, six, and seven. And then we'll close out season one in part three next week. And that will take uh, episodes eight, nine, and ten. Yeah. That's some pretty fun stuff. Like we're That's excited about stuff, that because now we can kind of really talk about yeah. all these full circle moments that we've been kind of leading up to. It's kind of cool too because we haven't really done. <clears throat> I kind of call this like a mini arc. Like we like like Game of Thrones was an arc. Like <laughs> you know, The Witcher, the MCU, and stuff. Those were just one. Star Wars, uh, you know that sort of thing. Even like Rise of Skywalker. Like those are just one episodes now it's it's kind of cool because we get to like dive in deep to it but it's not like over once it's over like because yeah. it'll be coming out later be season four and like yeah. like i said i think i asked you earlier this episode was like hey what's the plan for this are we going like 10 seasons 10 episodes and we have got no idea 
uh, you know, if that's the case, we've still got seven seasons of Westworld to, to, yeah, to, to go on to, to forward. And, that's you know, crazy. almost to like that same thing that we were talking about, you know, eventually, because remember, guys, I was we were talking about two weeks ago during our State of the Union, you know, eventually we're going to tackle Stranger Things, too. Yeah. So, like, you know, with that, you know, if we, let's say, there's still no release date for season four, and we just do seasons one through three, eventually we're going to circle back and do season four again. So even though we, we, oh, we yeah. set these arcs down, they are going to be picked up in the future. Because even with Game of Thrones, we, there's still like the books that need to come out, Winds of Winter and A Dream of Spring, and then there's the House of, House Dragon. of Dragon. Yeah. So, you know, with, with here in Westworld, once we tackle like our three parts of each season, we're, we'll be done with it for the moment being until... Yeah. Until season then, four comes out. you know, like because didn't season three just drop like a month or season two ago three, May, in May, right? Didn't it? Yeah, drop it's in actually May? right here on the visual. Uh, March fifteenth this year, season three dropped and premiered. Was it really March fifteenth this year? So we were now, still are you sure on that was Game for season three though, or is that for like season one? No, this is season three. That's the season one poster up there. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Gotcha. So cool. March fifteenth. Yeah, because remember we were talking about that, and it ended in May, right? Yeah, yeah. I think it ended, ended in, in May. May. Yeah, because yeah. it ended like right when we were starting season eight. I'm actually gonna <laughs> look Game into that because now I'm, I'm curious. Yeah. Not that. Not that I don't believe you. It's yeah. Just no, like, you're good. I'm wondering, you know, between the release date and when it ended. If we can get any sort of idea of maybe when season four will be released, because think about how um, Game or not Game of Thrones, uh, Stranger Things has done this. Mm-hmm. They they released season one in July, season two in October, season three in July. So the idea is they're going to release season four next October, not this one coming up, yeah, but next like October. Next October, yeah. And they, and because they, they kind of did the same thing with the episodes. There was what was it? It was like. Eight in season one, nine in season two, eight in season three, nine in season four. And we're probably gonna get another eight, like or something like. So yeah, they, do, they they make it like they it is something that they do. I might have messed that up, guys. Like don't don't quote me on that. <laughs> but uh, I mean, the big thing about Westworld was like it became really known when it was tying people over when the first season came out in that in between year of like Game of Thrones. We were waiting on season eight. And like season seven had just ended. So remember when they gave us like that huge long wait? Yeah. That's really when Westworld got noticed. And then when we were still waiting, like they came out with season two, like right before season eight. Did season, cause season eight premiered in April, right? For Game of Thrones? I think it was May. I think it was... No, it ended in May, right? It ended in May. So, like, it started Yeah, it was, like, April of 19. April 2019. So, it, like... I think season two or something came out, like, the summer before or something. And it, like... The big thing was, was, like, this was, like, HBO's big show during that period. And now it's, like, becoming... You know, until House of Dragon comes out, like it's it's really starting to kind of hold it. Yeah, I mean, for me with HBO, there's there's three really big shows, and only two of them are fantasy for mm-hmm. me. So when I think of HBO, I think of Game of Thrones is their is their flagship. Yeah, Westworld is right there. Yeah. Then HBO's Ballers. With Ballers, Rock, yeah. Right? I know, love like, Ballers. Ballers is great. I, I mean, obviously, it. it's sports, so it's not something we'll cover here. Yeah. But like you know, us being sports it's, fans ourselves, yeah. like it's huge. It's awesome. It's huge. So it's like the three big like. Game of, I'm sorry, the big, big three HBO flagship like yeah. productions, mm-hmm. and I'm sure they'll come up with some other ones that are really big. But right now, Westworld, like you said, got I'm like nominated for a bunch of Emmys, like you know, so 
it's a perfect time to really dive into it. Yeah, I'm like I'm excited to see where season two and season three goes because we still got to finish season one, bro. Yeah, we still got to finish season <laughs> like, one. <laughs> we still got part three of yeah. season one, episodes eight, nine, and Good ten. Stuff. Yeah, right, man, so. but I think that'll do it for us today. And uh, yeah, I mean, once again, you know, guys, um, thanks again for always following us. It really means a lot, you know, on Instagram and unconditional um, support from all you guys is something that makes us like super excited and pumped up to do this every single time even dude there's days and we'll just be real with you we're like we're so exhausted and it's like oh yeah dude like i don't want to do it like bro we gotta push through because this is what we do it for you know what i mean oh i told you i mean that uh state of the union that we came out with a couple weeks ago like that was all real like that's all so true and one thing uh we always post on the instagram that we kind of stole from game of thrones but it really is true like we're here because of you guys Y'all are the shields that guard the realms of fantasy, man. <laughs> That's what yeah. you guys are. And it's interesting, too, because, you know, we 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 honestly debated whether we would do Westworld or not because they're like, hey, is Westworld really a fantasy? Is it more sci-fi? And then, you know, I was happy because it almost kind of defended us when they got nominated for a lot of fantasy fiction yeah. categories. So and we were like, okay, good. Yeah, and, you know, we felt like, like that good. brought the relief. Like, we're not, you know, stepping outside of our genre. Not that it's a bad thing. It's just, you know, we want to really tackle what we yeah. aimed out to do. And so, uh, yeah, I think that I think that'll be good for us for today. You know, as you were saying, you know, all the platforms that we're on and all the interaction that we get between Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, the website, the mm-hmm. blog, like everything, it's it's phenomenal. Uh, Snapchat, uh, there's LinkedIn as well, guys. Um, Do you want to say real quick? Yeah. One reason I think it was really fancy, like you really start to kind of notice it, like the episodes we cover, like with Wyatt's men with like the axes and like all that crazy weird monster stuff. I think that's part of the reason besides just being some sci-fi like AI technology thing. So that was pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, the moment they got nominated for fantasy fiction like <laughs> category, I was like, all right, we're in the clear, man. Yeah. Like, like, good, like yo. Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, uh, but yeah, guys, that will that close us up today. Uh, yeah, we, man. We appreciate the, you know, the, the, the love the listens the follows we're looking forward to continuing and growing with you and and uh just taking this uh the next step so next week we'll tackle part three of season one in westworld where we'll uh dive into episodes eight nine and ten and then we'll jump into uh season two after that and uh, until that day comes as of tonight, that has been another ridiculous production. Chase and Josh. Factor Fantasy. Signing, signing off. off.